0: Tonight, I have Sean Anderson from Rainbows, formerly Rainbows, now Rise, and Alan Thomas, formerly of Rainbows, also now Rise. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Um, So, do you want to just do a quick introduction of yourself, Sean?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm Sean from Portland, uh, 2020 meme lord. Um, (laughs) Hey, where's your belt? not my, not my uh, title, not my given title. Um, played all of Rainbow's from the beginning, um, so that would be four and a half seasons, right?
2: Three and a half. Three and a half seasons. Um, yeah, really bummed about this year, but
1: yeah, I know
0: yeah, everyone's. It's, I mean, it's impossible. It's everyone's going through. It's not like it's just happening to like the West Coast or just the West Coast or something. At least all of America sucks. Well, it's not just all of America, so.
2: <laughs> true, yeah. Uh, Most of yeah. the world.
0: As far as dodgeball goes, all of America sucks. Yeah, that's true. And uh, how long have you been playing dodgeball for? A decade, probably more. I started you, guys playing... played, you guys played some NDL before you came to Elite, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I guess that is a notch in my adult uh, national... Uh,
2: dodgeball league champion <laughs> that was 2015 oh. right i wasn't part of that but you were uh,
0: win the national championship that year yeah you could if you
2: want to call it that that's fine um
1: five everyone, teams, six teams yeah. yeah it was fun but whatever there was only
0: five teams <laughs> something like that it was pretty
1: embarrassing
0: anyone that we know or anyone still playing
1: yeah
0: um i don't think so,
1: well, so, so
2: no there was, was there. Uh, there was some part of empire was there
0: so Rob yeah. and Brett were probably. He there. was on, yeah.
2: They, they they still do a little bit back, like back. He still, yeah. Back uh, home, yeah. Um, and then you had you guys were there with Damnation, so right would and know Salvation, Kevin Jack and Brian Ware, and then Salvation was there, which Brandon Cook was on, and, Koi. and then uh, yeah, Coy was on that team, and then Ricky was oh. on Damnation with you.
0: Yeah. Oh, so you guys weren't Rainbow's; you were a different team called Down- I, uh
2: Damnation. So I wasn't even at it. Yeah, at that point, right. Rainbow's. I don't even think Rainbows had even been considered by that. Right after that is
1: when we found out about Elite, mm-hmm. um, like the, the following, like February or so, because mm-hmm. we heard that all the teams had left NDL, including Doom and Rise and all those big players. And uh, we actually started the core four, which uh, of Rainbows, which is me, Alan, uh, Ricky, and Michael, mm-hmm. um, all started discussing like building a northwest team and we just kind of went from
2: there. So I think before that it was you, Lucas and Ricky and then I was the fourth and then I think Koiv was the fifth and then Lucas brought Zach. So okay. yeah, yeah, so I it, I wasn't originally brought into it. Brandon like kind of oh, found boy, out that's about crazy. it. Brandon crazy found you out about that
1: now, it were there the beginning.
2: Yeah. So he built a big group and and added a bunch of people to it on Facebook and I wasn't originally oh. in that and I think huh just because of the way dodgeball works and not everyone wants to play with everyone else or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, just teams were formed that, you know, and then one player was added after the kind of the big three at that point in the Northwest was probably you, Ricky and Lucas. Everyone knew he was the best in Seattle and you and Ricky were a big deal here. At that point, I wasn't really, most people probably didn't know who I was.
1: Yeah. I guess you were
2: still kind of up and coming yeah
0: and so you guys were just playing so how much did you play with lucas before did seattle and portland play a lot together or just a couple tournaments here we and we played each other a lot
2: but
1: and by a lot like three times a year sometimes only yeah. once um never together
2: it's hard to remember how many tournaments we would play back then because there's so many you know as of last year you could go to like seven tournaments up in seattle and two or three yeah. down here if you wanted so Back then, it wasn't that many. There was maybe three big tournaments a year that people would travel for. But we knew of each other, and I only started playing, you know, where I would travel in the end of 2014. So 2015 was, like, the first year I was on the scene where everyone in the Northwest would have gotten to see me.
1: Yeah. And the one thing to keep in mind, too, is Portland and Seattle
2: hated each other
1: dodgeball-wise back in the day. Like, there was barely shaking hands, at least from what I can remember. So, the fact that we built a Portland Seattle team uh, with Rise fire uh, with Rainbow's um, kind of was a bridging of the gap or like an extension, like extending arms sort of thing. It was pretty cool, actually.
0: And so, Zach was also from Seattle. It was, yeah. Okay. And Zach is the one who retired first, right?
2: Yeah. So, he, he retired altogether after Boston and um,
3: moved away from Seattle.
2: Yeah, he had already moved away from Seattle and he wasn't playing very much anymore. He moved somewhere in Wisconsin. He, yeah. he was barely playing anymore and he played the rest of that year with us and at the end of the year he's just like, "I don't really have it anymore. You guys should get someone else. I I you know, thank you for keeping me around as long as you did."
0: Did that sort of symbolize the idea of Lukas moving in those way as well once there was a note like a, the other Seattle player sort of left or it just was just naturally that Lucas was going to move on to start his own team, or was that ever talked about?
2: Mm, I don't think any of us ever had that long discussion with Lucas. I have my own idea, and certainly some of it was that Lucas is a big symbol in that area. And mm-hmm. once it was clear that people from Seattle would come play, Lucas was going to bring them and lead them. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some other things behind the scenes, but that you know that was that's. A big enough reason that it would have happened almost no matter what.
1: Yeah. It wasn't like a dramatic breakup, I don't
2: think, really, either. It was kind
1: of, we did our thing. We brought Elite to the Northwest um, in a big way, or we brought ourselves to Elite, rather. Mm -hmm. And then
2: uh, Lucas wanted to grow it in Seattle. So it was actually really great, in my opinion. Cool. It happened at the right time. Yeah, totally.
0: And how big is dodgeball in the port? Like in Portland? Is it, is there a lot of leagues? There's one league. Is There's there... zero dodgeball in Portland. <laughs> right now. Right now. <laughs> right now. So
2: pre pandemic um, me and a few others here run uh, a premier, a premier dodgeball association PDA. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's two nights a week. Normally it uh, 8.5 has kind of lost interest here. Mm-hmm. So towards the end of last year, that wasn't happening as much we were on an 8.25 foam league that's really fast-paced and and recreational but competitive players fit in just fine mm-hmm. and uh, then there's a, a varsity gay league monday okay. night no sting that i've never participated in because i'm not a fan of no sting but it does well a lot yeah. of the players that play our league play that league too
0: yeah i think there that varsity gay league is also based in denver and jenny and alfred who've Recently moved to Denver, playing huh. there as well.
2: It's all over. Yeah, varsity gay leagues got stuff everywhere. The gay leagues are doing really well, or were doing really well bar, prior to this, is my understanding. So, I mean, that's great. Dodgeball yeah, everywhere have, uh, is what we want.
0: Here in New York City, we have Big Apple, which is where all the Arkham dodgeball players are from. Okay, um, so that's where that they sort of hail from, um, and that's, in my opinion, it's like one of the better New York City leagues. It's just more people take it a little more seriously. People play a little more strategic. It's more fun. Whereas the other leagues in New York City are a lot more social, you know, like just basically yeah. go out and go drink, dodgeball sort of a secondary action.
2: Yeah, <laughs> when I was in New York for the World Cup, I came to something. I don't think it was Sandlot. Big Apple. It was Sandlot. Yeah, yeah. And that it, it was very clear that us coming to their events was like a culture shock for them. And they didn't <laughs> really seem super stoked for the nights that we were there because they knew their new players were in for... Yeah. A little bit of a, a punishment. Exactly.
0: Yeah, we basically are told like not to throw hard. There's a lot of uh, remember everyone sort of just having fun, kind of ad- attitude. And I've sort of I've sort of moved away from that league just because, you know, I yeah. don't get a couple nights out a week anyways. So it's if I'm going to go play, I, I'd like to go play.
2: So. There's a place for something like that, and it, it is it, it can happen in communities where you can stifle new players <clears throat> with bad rule sets or you know players who don't you know, at least in some ways cater to help the newer players come along. It has, dodgeball Wall has a bit of a steep learning curve.
0: Yeah. And I can't really foul them. Cause you know, his goal, you know, the guy who runs his goal is to.
2: to Ari, goal, right.
0: Ari. Yeah. It's his, you know, his goal is to run a league that's successful for him and you know, what's successful for him is a social sport league and sure, us coming in and throwing it at people's heads and, you know, hurting other people. It doesn't exactly cater a good business for him. So, uh, I totally understand why it's like that. How uh, how's COVID treating you guys? Have you guys been able to play dodgeball at all? Anything outside? Nothing.
1: Nothing. I set up a net in my garage, uh, but it can only handle those things. So it's, mm-hmm. it is what it is. I only, I really only throw a couple times a month,
2: mm-hmm.
1: just to kind of keep the arm moving. But
2: no um, there was a couple Friday night things that mm-hmm. happened, um, like yeah. Friday night outdoor pickups. I didn't, I didn't go to any of them. Mm -hmm. they were trying to keep it
1: under 12 too or something like that Yeah, it was
2: like they were trying to keep it to a low amount of people uh i i've barely thrown like i think i've maybe gone out and thrown three times since all this happened i've been playing tennis mostly and then once in a while we get a group together and play a little flag football so um tennis is still a lot of arms so i don't feel like my arms really lost but Mm -hmm. uh yeah i you know to me it's the I, I love dodgeball and I love playing it, and I wouldn't say I was burnt out on it, but I haven't missed it maybe as much as I I thought I would. That's you know maybe that's. A I shame would ag- I would agree with that too. I I started golfing
1: again, yeah. um, and they make golf good clubs good that time. big,
0: but <laughs> plus two big enough. <laughs> the the driving range mats aren't big enough for me.
1: That's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but it's been a nice like alternative. It's something I can do whenever and that sort of thing. So that's great for the mind and it's active
0: so yeah i would think tennis would be good for footwork just the constant sort of pitter patter all over and moving your feet yeah tennis is is so much about getting your feet set before the ball's there so you can create power which is uh it's also very similar to dodgeball yeah totally um so is the plan still to be rise bros is when we ever if we ever start playing dodgeball again yeah that's not changed
2: No. Nope.
0: Still,
1: the group chat is a uh, a little silent, but still bumps every once in a while. But that's just like any dodgeball mm-hmm. thread that's not like best friends or something like that.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, so let's go back uh, back to the original rainbows uh, and talk about that first elite tournament that you guys went to. Um, how did you guys feel coming as like you know this new team? You guys didn't know anybody into the environment. Did you guys feel welcomed or was it uncomfortable? How did how did you yes. feel coming into that?
1: Yes, all of that. Yeah. There were <laughs> a handful of people that were super welcoming and there were a few that said that we didn't belong, but that was before they saw us do what we did. So
2: <laughs> there were definitely people who came right up to us before anything happened when we're like, "Welcome. We're glad you're here. Cool. You know, we don't know <laughs> what to expect from you, but do your best." You know, if you want to play dodgeball competitively, then you're in the right place. People, especially like Tori, who you know I still Tory. remain friends with. Showtime he was Tory. maybe the yeah Tori Thompson. He was yeah. maybe the first person to come up and just introduce themselves and say he's excited to see yeah. us. Yeah, the the cool. horrible thing about the way that worked is they were actually our first match, and we mm-hmm. beat them 2-0 in less than three minutes. So <laughs> it, it, after he had did all that nice stuff, we didn't uh, take it easy on him. <laughs>
0: And what was your guys' like, uh, knowledge of the rule set and stuff like that? Were you guys prepared for the rule set? Because one of the things – I know when I talked to KTC guys, the one thing that they really struggled with was just getting used to hard lines uh, and the throw line just being right there in front of you, things that they just had not been used to because they were used to trampolines. Yeah, that was one thing that was tricky.
1: I mean, personally, I fell out of bounds probably like a dozen times that day. Out, out of bounds. I still out of bounds all the time, so yeah. I don't really read that much into it now. Well, you're 100
0: um, feet from the – Court, so
1: yeah, but the <laughs> throw lines were exciting for us because we yeah, played we were such stoked. long throw
0: lines. How far were they before, Alan?
2: We, 25 was our standard. Yeah, so like uh, this that's no sting
0: ball. amazing. With
2: yeah. that's what we were playing 25 with 8.5, yeah. And yeah. that's a no-sting normal for a league. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh the bounds lines were by far our biggest issue. We'd always played one foot in. You could as long as you had one foot touching when you landed in bounds. Mm-hmm. You could be anywhere. Your other foot, the whole rest of your body could be completely out of bounds. As long that's as you landed like, uh, and had one I mean, part of your foot. It didn't even have to like be that. all the way in. Just one part of your foot still on the line. Or and hand. <laughs> Yeah, or hand, anything. So like now imagine that that's on a 25 foot throw line that extends it even a few more feet really. Yeah. Effectively. you can turn backwards out of bounds essentially. As yeah. long as you get that one part of your foot or whatever back in bounds. So that was the biggest thing for us is so, it was, it was never a, a problem with our momentum. If you were backing up, you just had to stop that one foot or fall. If you slid, it didn't matter. Just stick your hand out and catch the ground. And then to having a hard back, that was just, and especially because our styles are very much developed around that. Like my Mm -hmm. style of falling back, catching, worked really well when i just had to keep one foot on the ground when i fell or ricky's sliding he would turn around run backwards and then slide and it didn't yeah. really matter where he stopped because he could just put his hand down it you know when he was about to go out of yeah. bounds
1: i would jump out of
2: bounds yeah and then just and reach like, your six foot long legs or back four feet the- out of bounds
1: yeah. and then land with a foot barely in to extend it sideways and backwards so shrinking that court down was pretty dramatic for us but yeah i I mean, it clearly didn't matter that much. I'd be amazed to see that same team go back to that same situation with experience and hard lines to see how we would deal. The
2: dodgeball, yeah, I definitely feel like dodgeball advanced a lot from then. Um, As far as throw lines, yeah, we were totally ready. The Northwest had had, like, we were very uh, soft when it came to headshots and headshot rules, Mm -hmm. so that, like, when that first came around, I know you were, like, yeah, I get to blast people in the face. This is great. It, Especially against people you don't know.
1: <laughs> also, but at the same time it was kind of scary. Like I admit that it was scary because I was like they can hit me, but I guess it's good because I can hit them back.
2: Ah uh, yeah. So the me getting hit in the head never really worried me and I don't really throw in like a hard yeah. enough way or like it's just not my game to blast people in the face. It happens from time to time. Are so you for, saying, for me it was is my my game to blast people okay. in the face. <laughs> i'm not admitting yeah. that i'm just saying what see what you say yeah it is it is <laughs> definitely a part of your game yes
0: well it brings mm-hmm. a whole other strategic factor into the game you know it's like you can always talk about you know it's like i'm gonna throw high to take the eye line off and then you two throw okay. low there's all that kind of stuff that you you know you just don't get used to when you just play rec ball and you can't throw high you know it's like yeah the whole object is to stay low always so like you know if people are just used to dropping you can't really get them out of that zone but when you can start throwing high you can really start doing different things against people
2: so that so that was uh, like our big thing that i i tried to get anyone when they did it, you know talk about some trepidation about it. So I was just go down just get low go down yeah. and then it's the same thing that would have happened anyway like if mm-hmm. you're gonna get in the face when you dropped that could have happened on a thursday night yeah. so for for us like you know and to, for me a big part of dodgeball what makes it so interesting and why i love 8.5 is that fear factor To me, like that enhances the game so much because anyone can make the perfect decision if they have no stressors, right? Like if everything's fine and everything's going well, I can make the right decision every time. I can drop and dodge and do everything 100%. But as soon as there's a little bit of fear involved, then I'm going to make a decision that wasn't the one that I meant to make because I was having to act under those stressors. So to me, that enhances the game of dodgeball greatly.
0: Yeah, it's definitely one of the reasons why I've always sort of said that why I like 8.5 the best, but it's also because what I've always played. But I also always think that, you know, if we're going to ever become sort of like this, you know, popular sport on television or whatever it is, I always feel like 8.5 is the ball that it should be. One, because the sound it makes translates yeah. through in television. But also, as a viewer, you want to feel like, oh, I couldn't do that. Yeah. Like you watch a foam ball and you're like, well, that won't hurt. I don't really care. I mean, what yeah. the guys do in foam is amazing how they move and how they dodge. I'm not trying to take that away from them, but I just think that no an and auditory factor of an 8.5 ball translates in television. Not that that should be the reason, but just, I feel like it makes it a better visual sport.
2: Well, I think a good comparison is hockey, right? A lot of, you know, hockey is a lot of fun. I enjoy <laughs> hockey. Um, the the issue is that hockey is kind of hard to follow on TV. Mm -hmm. They've tried to do a lot of things to make it so you can follow the puck and tell what's going on a lot easier. I think a no sting or foam game of dodgeball would have that same problem. That ball is so small and it moves so fast and it curves so much. Half the time, I can't even tell when I'm playing if the no sting ball hits someone. I think it did. It made Mm -hmm. a noise. An 8.5 ball just takes some of that away. With it being a bigger ball that's much more straightforward, you Mm -hmm. can... You can gauge what's going on a little easier. Dodgeball's yeah. already going to be a nightmare with six balls, you know, on the court as it is. So <laughs> anything know. you can do to make it easier to follow, I think they're going to have to do.
0: I don't know if you guys ever listened to Chris Bell's podcast, but I thought what he said yeah. at the end was actually like one of the best statements someone had made. And I thought it was funny that it came from Chris Bell, was like, if anyone wanted to make dodgeball really pop, it's like build an actual dodgeball stadium where we all go play that is set up with cameras and like you can actually see it. And it can be refed correctly. And uh I thought that would be you know it's pretty amazing if that's what you know we ever got to.
3: Yeah.
0: Um do you feel like you guys eventually were welcomed in the community or you guys were always sort of seen as the outsiders, the new team that, that sort of upset the, you know, upset the Apple card in the first tournament you guys came to, you came to you got second place, right?
2: Yeah. So that first tournament in May. May of 2016, we had second in open 8.5 and second in coed for 8.5. And Those are the and only beat, two divisions left at the point. And at beat rise, final. and so we beat rise in the losers bracket to go a final to play Doom, mm-hmm. and we lost 0-2 to them. The first game, we it came down to a two-on-one. It was you and and Ricky against um, Payan. and you guys threw a kind of off-time double, and Ricky hit Pyon, but you threw a catch before the ball died. Pine caught it. And then Vince came in, and Ricky slid out of bounds. Yeah. Uh, and then the second game didn't go so well, and Koiv, like, fell out of bounds. As <clears throat> it.
0: And who so. put you guys into the loser's bracket? Uh,
2: wow, that's something I don't even remember. <laughs> it might have been Ryze. I, I, you know, I think it was. Yeah. I think Rise knocked us down, and then we came back and beat them.
0: Yeah, makes sense. And you guys had done – I remember listening to your podcast, Alan. You had done research and knew oh, – yeah. How the team had played. Had. Sean,
2: Sean didn't. I, oh, I didn't. Hell. Yes, I did. <laughs> I watched all of it. How do you all even remember that? It's just, this I watched is all, all of it and thought they were all soft. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Sean. No, I know it's research. Sean watched that Kenny Main video about Doom. That's what. That's the research that Sean did. I remember us watching uh, that in the hotel room the night before we were going.
1: I just no. That. I remember watching Rise and thinking how boring their their play was. <laughs>
2: um elite definitely used to be a much more it it didn't i think it expanded a little bit like what you what people would do and throwing the non-burden ball and some more unorthodox thing and i think that's one thing that we we brought that helped us engage with the community is we were willing to maybe do some things that didn't people didn't think made as much sense we threw off the corners we Switch spots all the time, like especially back then, we didn't really know what positions we were all meant to be playing yet. Mm -hmm. So if you watch footage of that tournament, we look like we don't know what we're doing until we do the right thing. Until like the right thing happens, and you realize that it doesn't matter where these players are there, they can all do the thing. So we look like we don't know what we're doing until we do it, and then it all comes through.
1: Yeah, a lot of people did question our strategy initially because. We honestly did come in with a lot of strange strategies, throwing non burden, and teams really kind of were blown away at that. And we even had people come up to us and say, "You can't do that," but we did really well. So we're like, well, "It looks like it worked." And I remember, I continue, I remember
0: watching footage from that tournament and seeing you guys do it, and I was like, "That is a really good idea." <laughs> I'm so used to trained to just be like, "Oh, they've got three balls. The burden's coming,"
1: and that I was from that
0: you guys switched it up, and and I was like, "Wow, that was just." That was a really interesting i mean just a simple thing to change yeah. but uh it just you get used to it and then suddenly it changed it and you were getting really easy targets just because they were not looking at that person with the ball well we had the big benefit of
1: watching a lot of tape of people that didn't know who we were yeah they didn't and know. so we could easily pick out things like that like well obviously why would we not why would we throw the ball they're expecting us to throw yeah or why would we stay in the same positions and then so we had an even bigger, like, surprise, uh, element of surprise coming in because we did all the things that were unorthodox. We played a little differently, and they didn't know who we were. So add all that together plus some athletic abilities that yeah. were able to keep, uh, keep up with the best of them, and that goes a long ways. And that definitely added to the relative uh, good play of rainbows over time.
2: It, the culture of dodgeball in the northwest it was a lot different than what i gathered from the culture especially of like california which is you know what west elite is for the most part mm-hmm. uh and that our game like we talked about 25 foot throw lines our game was like a lot of catching it was a very catching game so you have players like koiv and ricky who are just like top tier elite catchers um and You know, they had offensive games like Koi especially developed his offensive game as we played a little longer. I think you would say even I was more of a catching player back Mm -hmm. in that day. And I developed my offensive game more as it it became needed that I do more offensively. Um, But like the ability to just go on a catching streak and to dominate the game win with catching was was such a like it it seemed like it caught people off guard. because We would catch on the back line and then that would swing. We'd run forward with a ball. And instead of throwing that ball, we would catch oh, okay. the ball they threw counter at us. Mm-hmm. So, like it, it would just, Ricky was especially good at that because he can, he's so good at turning the momentum of a game on one play. Um, yeah. yeah we when when were he's talking on, Ricky about
0: it's... why he felt like he was so good about, because, you know, it's not natural to be able to drop as quickly as he does. <clears throat> he, he always said he, he related it back to he was a big rollerblader.
3: Yeah. And he yeah. was
0: used to dropping to his knees constantly. So it just, it was natural for him. Whereas a lot of people aren't used to that kind of, yeah mentality which is interesting i always think it's interesting what sports people played and how they influence you know dodgeball um so when you guys came for that round three did you feel like you were a little bit more accepted because you had just you know gotten top two twice or were you still looked at as outsiders now or were you the hunted now
2: so like whether we were accepted or outsiders i'm not you know it's a tough place to put it um you know I don't think anyone was necessarily unfriendly to us. Mm-hmm. There yeah. was teams that were mad to be beaten by us, like Titan lost to us in that round. And they were, like, that, they were poised for a big season. That was when Ketchum had joined them for that year. And they had, on paper, what they felt was a really dominant team. And we beat them in the loser's bracket and eliminated them. Um, so there, you know, there was teams that were definitely, I would say, maybe not super stoked to see another team come that could shake everything up but I wouldn't say we weren't accepted. Like, you know, we started talking to people. We met people on doom rise at that time was not as outgoing and, and friendly as they later became. Um, but also we didn't play round three that year. Uh, our oh, next didn't. tournament after that was new Orleans.
0: Right. The oh, at nationals.
2: Yeah.
0: Gotcha. And so well, did you feel like it was a more open community when to, when you went to nationals and there were teams from the East and the North and the South?
2: That's a, That whole thing is just one huge blur. Deshaun, do, do you have anything on that? I mean, I would say that it
0: was. I mean, didn't we meet you? No,
2: he wasn't at that.
0: I didn't come to uh, New Orleans. The first Nationals I went to was Boston.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I just remember meeting a lot of players from all over the country, and I was like, this is incredible. Like, I didn't feel like an outsider there at all. I felt like a bunch of weirdos all getting together, that <laughs> like yeah. we were all the same weirdness. <laughs>
2: And that was, was, that was the first, first tournament that anyone else from the Northwest. So we had other Northwest teams for, there was one other open team that was there for that, uh, that was, uh, the the forest, Forest, they were the forest giants. Yeah. It it eventually evolved into grip city, but yes. Um, and that had Brandon cook. So that was Brandon Mm -hmm. cooks first foray. Um, and then, uh, that was, that was, uh, not a great tournament for us. Lucas was injured for that tournament. He hurt his arm like a week be- weekend before in a tournament up in Seattle that I was at. That was our like first attempt at seven inch foam. And yeah. I, I'm sure you know that seven inch foam Drama. can do some damage. Yeah. So he, his arm was toast and he wouldn't sit the first day like in round robin. He kind of played through it. Mm-hmm. And I think if he'd have taken a day, the second day might have gone better. But we ended up getting knocked out by Davis pre-Billy. So a team from your neck of the woods. Um, they just smoked us like everything that could go wrong in that game went wrong we stepped out of bounds we didn't throw well like nothing went right
0: they're the classic team of uh one of those teams that you're like well this team shouldn't be good we should yeah. really crush them but my yeah. visuals but they they don't make any mistakes they yeah. play smart they always stay and they never get outside of like what they should be doing yeah so, like if you don't stay in that sort of lane where you're like okay i gotta just if you if you play their game, the better team usually wins, but I think you often sort of get out of it because you're like, I could crush this team, I, you know. But they always, I mean, I feel like I always lost to Davis because it's the same sort of thing. You know, you, you make one bad play, they make a catch, suddenly you're down, and suddenly the game's over. You know.
2: Yeah, we didn't we didn't so at Nationals that was another thing that happened to us is we didn't know every team at that point. When mm-hmm. we came yeah. to Palm Springs, we there was footage on all the best teams that were gonna be there. We know what we were gonna come up against. But in Nationals, there was just too much to to do yeah. that with. So um, we had like an down. we had an early match against uh Crew, the New Orleans team, and I think they were the fourth team in the South. Mm-hmm. And we beat them in like 30 seconds. And then, you know, at one point we had to play shooters and like We'd never seen, there's no player like Mikey in the West. Like there's, there's no really player like him like Mikey anywhere. <laughs> right. So, so at that point it was like, oh, okay, well some real stuff is happening here. So that's one struggle. I think we had at a lot of nationals is just the, the roller coaster talent ta- uh, talent gap that mm-hmm. you play where you go on one t- side, you're stepping in against the poor new Orleans crew. And after that, then you're playing doom. How do you stay up for all the games?
0: Yeah. yeah and it's so many games also it's such a long day and
2: it was back then it felt like games even games. more yeah. yeah it was um, too much mark it was
0: too much
2: ah get out of here
0: <laughs> i mean if you think about this as like trying to be a professional sport you never would play a professional sport where you do something like that but it also you want to get your bang for your buck all these people are traveling all across the country is it bang for your buck though if you're just rolling teams in two minutes
1: yeah it isn't for me i don't want yeah. to do that I want to play teams that I can compete with. I'd rather lose. Uh, I would rather lose, but I'd rather lose to a team that's really good than stomp a team that's not very good.
2: Well, well especially when your court time is directly related. You know, yeah. a, a match against Doom, we might play for 10 minutes. Yeah, a match yeah. against Crew is a three minutes, maybe.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the idea behind, uh, you know, Mark doing this new... You know whatever the new elite invitational thing was going to be that's what yeah that was going to be this year um which yeah. was interesting
2: so um, at, at that nationals we tied we had a f- tied for fifth at coed, and that was our that was our best finish for any of our teams there
0: i mean that's a pretty good considering you came out of nowhere you know yeah getting a top true. two yeah. getting a top two round in the west which you know, I think anywhere, everyone will admit that the West is the most talented division of the four. Um, and to be able to get a top two, not very many teams can say they've gotten a top two, especially not in the West. Yeah. Like basically, it was just two teams oh. that were getting top two and top finishing first. At that time, there was only two. Yeah. Um, so I would say you guys are probably like one of the more strategic teams that I probably have ever watched. Is that. Does that come naturally? Do you guys evolve into that? Were you guys always sort of strategic players? It's an evolution of strategy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I would say that Ricky and I are especially, and Lukas at the time, Lukas's strategy is a little more abstract. Mm -hmm. Lukas wanted to do a lot of weird things. (laughs) And he wanted, (laughs) like, so if if you've ever in the Northwest, uh, Lukas will, like, have a bunch of random words. That his teams will yell, and like one of those words actually means something, and it's just a bunch of misdirection. Mm-hmm. So, like, you'll see a, a Lucas led team, like night people will come on the court and they start yelling, Space, laser, lion, like all these things. And then one of those words actually meant something, but they're just yelling a bunch of stuff. And so, that's like an abstract type Lucas strategy. Mm-hmm. And he had like he wanted to write down plays on paper and like have he a bunch did. of crazy Yeah, a playbook. yeah. <laughs> he had a bunch of stuff, and uh, I think maybe that was a little over what we thought we could competently execute quickly in game with how little practice we were ever going to get together. So um, I think it was by our second season, I developed a call system where in a, in a number you had who was throwing and who the target was. Mm -hmm. So we could quickly call that out. And then I came up with also in, in that I came up with anything brand new, but I came up with a color structure that was our fake system. So we had three colors, and that meant zero, one, or two fakes. And so you could have a quickly a color and a, nu- and a number, a 2 digit number, and that was how many fakes and who was throwing at what. And oh. so that helped us. We didn't like huddling, so that helped us avoid huddling. Later on, we started huddling a lot more, or at least we would talk. We wouldn't necessarily all come together, but there would be just like two quick things said down the line, and then we would go. Um, and then-
0: you eventually evolved into like, you know, definitely, I mean, I think you were one of the first teams I saw do that trail throw where you would sort of tuck in behind Sean.
2: Sean came up with that. Yeah. Sean yeah, called that uh, shotgun. Effective. Yeah. Which one? Shotgun. Oh yeah. That's one, That's my favorite play of all time. Yeah. Sean came up with that one for us. Uh, yeah. It works really well with me and him because his ball comes so right perfectly yeah, at right that right same angle hand. where mine comes if he just stands like a two feet behind me. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's a fun one. Um, but did you feel like you were more strategic to other teams or you just sort of felt like you evolved into that strategic, I guess you must've evolved considering that just the first tournament you went to, you just hadn't played very much together.
1: Then other teams, not necessarily, I would say that we were more strategic than a lot of teams. Um, but a lot of other teams, specifically teams like rise came with game plans specifically to each player, um, where they knew how to address that player and how to get them out Mm -hmm. and where is we we definitely designed plays for specific players but we also had designated plays that we would use on anybody um so there was a lot of strategy in that part but we didn't try to overcomplicate it because we knew that we didn't want to spend time in a huddle or end up having to burn a throw so we wanted to make sure that we could execute or call a play and execute it in a timely manner
2: yeah i think a lot of our strategy or what you would call that was a lot more based around philosophy and sort of just knowing what makes sense so there's some philosophy things that i've always that you know and a lot of this is credit to players that came before us in portland like mm-hmm. the philosophy like sofa is one you know you'll know who that Corey is. Maynard
1: back in the day
2: um there just players who would just you would hear them say things or they would have these long emails that they would send around a lot similar to like what damon talks about with surge where they had like this whole rise strategy thing. Um, But, but one important one is, is you're not like, you're not throwing to hit the player you're throwing to get them out. Like the reason you throw a ball is to get a player out. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily to hit them. So whatever way you have to do to do that is important. So when we would throw two balls, it wouldn't just be two people trying to blast the guy in the face. You know, one person would throw if they're the straight on thrower, they knew where they were supposed to throw. And the person who was throwing the cost knew where they were supposed to throw it wasn't a play call it was just the philosophy the way we played the game everyone knew what they were supposed to do and so So it didn't take a long time to call it
1: so much so that we developed a play where we would intentionally throw a catch so that we could get a player out i won't tell you which one it was Um, (laughs) but we intentionally threw a catch in a game while having enough balls to get that player out because we knew what the cue was and who was coming in next and it worked per- to perfection and yeah. we would do it again.
2: It was, it's just, it, it, it was a lot more philosophy than it was like a play call or like a big plan. Like we definitely had, you know, we knew players' tendencies and before we'd play them, we'd remind everyone like, you know, against this player, put a ball here, they reach, things like that, you know, like rise after they get you down to one or two players, they're going to try to isolate and run you down. Like we understood what was going on, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like this big elaborate, you know, five paragraph long email. It was just philosophy, just understand the game at a deeper level than, you know, what a play call is or something like that.
0: And was this stuff, did you guys practice back then? Were you practicing or is this just stuff you guys are just emailing each other and, you know- Well, we did practice.
1: It was never a consistent thing, but enough of us played groups of us played together locally. We never all played together locally because that was obviously ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I had a really good chemistry with Coiv and Alan and Ricky had a really good chemistry. And then at the beginning, Lucas and Zach had a really good chemistry. So those two pairs or those three pairs worked really, really well together so much so that they didn't have to talk. So here we kind of go in waves uh, in plays and in, in the game. So the practice was just built-in time, really.
3: Interesting.
0: Um, the other thing I, I think is is like you guys are sort of known for is like your like, positionless teams, where everyone sort of rotates through. You guys, you know, suddenly Sean's in the corner, suddenly he's in the middle, Lucas is in the corner and suddenly he's in the middle. Alan, you could be anywhere on the court. Do you guys feel like that was – something you grew into or that was a conscious decision where you're just sort of like whoever has the ball can move to the corner and cover and do that kind of thing
2: when we first came that that's a big lucas trait of sort of positionless dodgeball Mm -hmm. um that was a big lucas thing as as he worked off the team and that 2018 season was our first season without him we became much more positional um but also we we very much like would play to our players strengths and the this is something i think rise does better than any other team is they change their game plan based on which of their players is left like when you're when you were playing rise early on and billy was in you knew that everything was going through billy and then it would go through tim and so we saw how effective that could be if you just played to your players strengths and you and those other players i wouldn't say they were relegated to role player positions but on rise i think did that more than we did we had a we had a little bit more spread out the ability for more players to do things our system wasn't so strict so it wasn't positionless but we also there's a big defensive philosophy to our dodgeball game and that was something that was a big culture shock when we came in especially in co-ed our girls played dodgeball like When we first came we saw how many of the girls in the west just were they were on the court like i mean i guess you could classify that as playing dodgeball but it didn't really seem like their teams trusted them so you know it was guys holding two balls and girls holding none Mm -hmm. whereas our when when we would step up to throw our girls would be up there or they would be a half a step back so that when the team advanced on us they could step up and either take the shot or slow the attack Mm -hmm. either way if someone wants to come and throw at me you know if if Vince wants to run up and throw at me, Tiffany's got a ball. Like, I've, I'd rather her have that ball than me. Vince is still going to hit me even if I have the ball. Yeah. Tiffany can hit him at least if he tries to hit me. Mm-hmm. But, and her or Kate did it, you know, hundreds of times to different players. So yeah. that was we had a more defensive strategy. And so if Sean went up and through, and I was Sean's two for that 2018 season, He, after he threw, if someone attacked, I didn't, it wasn't on me to get that ball into his hands right away. It was on me to defend him with that ball. And that usually didn't mean throwing it, but it meant at least slowing down that other team so that we could get back into defensive position. If they never gave us that chance to transition the ball, that's fine. I'll take corner. Like we all could play that position well Mm -hmm. enough. And we felt like for us, we were better defensively because it wasn't so strict.
1: Yeah, and you feel like- and that's where that fluidity came from, is that you could play defense, but also just if you had to maintain it, you would, and it wasn't awkward
2: or uncomfortable. We didn't have to force it. And it, it yeah. there's some weaknesses in Rise that you could exploit because of how Sticking. there was no other thing to do but surge to put that ball in Tim after Tim threw, or mm-hmm. Jim to give that ball to Tim after Tim threw. Like you could count on that every single time, no matter what. And that meant you could exploit it. That meant one of them was standing up there a little longer than they had to be.
0: Yeah. Certain. I mean, you can't fault them, though. It seems to have worked for a long time for them. Sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then, I mean, that's because that's they have different players. Like the, Tim is a next level player where Tim with that ball in his hand is so much better than anyone else with it. Mm-hmm. Then it worked for them. They won. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that what they were doing was wrong. Just what we wanted to do and what we and what we did was different. We had a different yeah. philosophy.
1: Well, and our outcome against Rise proved to be one of the better. Like we were one of the best matched up teams against them, short
2: of like a doom who would just overpower. Well, but especially you, in coed. Especially yeah. in co ed, yeah.
0: Especially in coed. Well, yeah, I think I think Rise's strategy in co ed probably I mean, they still won a lot in Coed as well, but I feel like you know, they're definitely one of those teams that was like girls hand the guys the ball girls get back. You know, they were definitely the they, most.
2: Yeah. They catch at the end of the game.
0: Yeah. Um, do you guys uh, feel like you're being added to rise is going to change their strategy a little. Do you feel like some of that stuff that you guys are talking about will be implemented or is it, <laughs> or you're not really sure. So, you, I mean, it's clear I, that it's, Rise's way, and you guys are coming in and doing what they say.
2: I I played with Rise already. Me and Brandon went down the last tournament that happened, not the South Round one, but the mm-hmm. last one that happened in the West before this all happened was the NDI yep. Tyler's Dodgeball Invitational. And was, uh, Brandon no and I
0: foam tournament.
2: Yes, exactly. Brandon and I played with the core of the team. Sean couldn't make it, um, and we won the No Sting Division. And the team we beat in that was just a silly team. It was Catchem, Pyen, and Thieves. So Glenn and Xander and, and Nate. Don't let me forget. Nate was on that team too. So Ketchum Pie and Nate, Xander, Glenn, and two of the other thieves guys, probably Daniel and Alan. Mm -hmm. Team USA and some backups. Yeah. Yeah. It it was a silly team and we, we beat them in the no sting final. So, uh, you know, it's definitely not going to be rigid rise all the time. Um, and I think one thing that we, um, that, I think comes a lot from playing with a lot more newer players for longer which I think is is something that the rise guys don't get. They all live in San Diego and there's not very much dodgeball there. Mm-hmm. Is is you learn the difference between telling someone not to do something and helping them do something that they feel adds to the game instead.
4: Mm-hmm. Right? So
2: a lot of players struggle in dodgeball because they're, they they do something and then someone says don't throw. Don't throw there. Don't throw a solo. Well, don't throw a solo is really stupid advice if you're the best solo thrower. Like all of elite, the best teams throw solo every time. But when you go to a, you know, a dodgeball night league, what's what do you hear yelled most? No solos, don't throw solo. Like all the teams think that that's the winning strategy and it's not. So they're just, they, they don't, they don't understand the difference why throwing solo is actually really good. It's just about when you do it when you should be doing the thing to help your team. So It's
0: also about the person who's throwing the solo, knowing where to throw the solo ball. Yeah, yeah.
2: absolutely. Just, just what, what you should be doing instead. So not, it's not necessarily don't do something. It's do this thing. You know, you yeah. should be doing something to help your team, but you should try to do the thing that will actually help your team. <clears throat> um, so that's, that's a philosophy that I think Rain that's another one of our philosophies is when we make a mistake, usually we all know the mistake we made. You know, you don't have to yell necessarily at us not to do it. We do yell at each other a lot because we love each other so much, but um, it's, it, it won't be as rigid or it won't feel as rigid. At least I think because there will be a more, a more of an understanding of what you can do to help the team. There won't be mistakes or things like that outside of it as often because will will be better directed i i don't know how to say it the way that i think i'm thinking it but uh, for for example i played next to andy and andy is another new addition and andy has always been known as kind of a wild card um he's played on havoc he's a super athletic talented player but he's not he's kind of a hothead sometimes and he you know makes decisions that i wouldn't make but with me right next to andy i can help coach andy like i can talk to Andy, hey take that shot andy stuff like that and so just that little bit of direction And more players who are going to be able to provide that or who've played in more different environments, I think that can only help.
1: Yeah, and uh, to add to all that too, I would say that there's a reason why they asked us. I mean, I guess I kind of asked to be on the team. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there's a reason why there were spots open for us and they were willing to take us because they respected our strategy and our gameplay. It wasn't just because throw ball
2: hard yeah i don't i you know i don't need to be the corner on a team i was corner 2019 i wasn't a corner on rainbows in 2018 um you know at least the starting you know first corner um and i won't be a first corner on rise it it isn't about for me joining a team it isn't about what position i'm going to be played be playing it's that i know that i'm going to be used correctly and that when i see something and i say something it'll be taken into consideration and i trust Tim with that
0: yeah So I want to get into the rise stuff, but I just had one or two more questions about rainbows. Uh, What, uh, I guess this is a little harder question, but what do you guys think, what reason did you feel like you just never made it over the the heat? Do you think it's just, there was just too much talent? You guys just never got the chance to beat those teams? I mean, you beat, I think you beat every team. I mean, maybe you never beat Doom. I don't know. No,
2: we beat Doom in a round robin. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys said we that. We were the only team to beat Doom, I'm pretty sure, that year in a round robin in the so West rounds.
0: You've definitely beaten every team. Just any reason you sort of cop or think that you just never got over that hurdle.
2: And that's open, to be clear. We beat Doom plenty of times in co-ed. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we, so to be clear, we did beat every team in co-ed, and we won a co-ed round. Yes. So as, I'm as talking, co-ed...
0: I'm talking open at
2: this point. Open, yeah. So... Uh, Sean, do you want to start on that one?
1: Um, I mean, just like any good team that never wins and I'm saying that we are a good team cause our, we're always up there near the top. Sometimes it just doesn't click and often it didn't at the very end. Um, and it would always, it always felt like it came down to just barely losing to rise mm-hmm. and the loss could be attributed to just one small error. Uh, by one of our players no, no fault of their own but it just when we were that close that we could just never get over the edge yeah um and i mean i screwed up plenty of times in big games uh ryan morris thank you yeah um, the titan one and <laughs> so like things like that i i mean they weigh heavy on my dodgeball spirit to never be able to close and win something that mattered and that was always rough um, so I, yeah, I don't, I don't have an answer other than we just, we just couldn't, we didn't.
2: Yeah. So we had three second places in open elite rounds, uh, two 8.5s, one in 2019, one in 2016, and one second place in no sting. So that happened for one year that open no sting existed mm-hmm. and we got second place in it one time. And that's a ball that none of us ever play for any reason other than elite. I mean, that's I took that seriously yeah and we only really started taking it seriously once they made it a thing that you had to play it every round, so it's before twenty nineteen
0: it take takes seriously at all like i you know we you know we played a tournament here on the East Coast two weeks ago in Pennsylvania Kyle Roth ran a tournament you know eight point five was pretty serious throughout the day, and then we jumped to nosting to do a no Sting tournament, you know people are throwing behind their backs through their legs, you know it just it, I don't know what, what it is. You know, is it the ball? It's small. It sort of feels like a kid's toy. Like everyone just sort of <laughs> joked around with it. I'm not sure, but it just, it does seem like the ball that no one ever takes seriously. I don't know why that is.
2: There's some players who love it and I, you know, I, I appreciate their love for dodgeball, no matter what ball it is. Um, But it just, yeah, it just does it to me. I think I, I talked about it already. It's just the fear factor. If there's no like fear, then it's hard for me to, you know, I don't ever get into that that same mode i guess Mm -hmm. but so those two in 2019 we had that the long beach round round two 2019 second and open 8.5 second and open no sting and third and co no sting one of the best turn you know one of the best tournaments that any team has ever put together i would i would guess and it just so happened that heat swept all three of those so they had the best round that that could ever be had and we had you know one of the top five that's probably ever been had so um you know, it, it and you know, I'm not I'm not here to call out uh our player Reeve. You know, that was a heartbreaking moment, but that eight point five loss was that's a one on one where we had all the balls and he went over the center line. So it yeah. it's tough for me to say that we like you know, when you ask how come you never quite got there, like you can't really get there any you know, short of getting there, that's the closest you could possibly get there. Like yeah. we got all the balls and we had one on one, you know, whatever happened that caused us to lose that tournament it didn't you know now looking back it doesn't feel to me like we didn't win that tournament i know we didn't win it i'm not delusional but we <laughs> i mean <laughs> we did everything exactly the way it needed to be done as a team to win that tournament
1: yeah that's an appearance and the go ahead touchdown
2: yeah yeah exactly yeah. that some rams guy came up and tackled <laughs> our receiver
0: <laughs> you guys feel if lucas never left the team having that level of player as your fifth, sixth, whatever player he was on your team? Do you feel like that would have put you guys over the top, or just your, the team you guys put out there was the best team you guys could have put out there, and Lucas wouldn't have changed anything?
1: I mean, I definitely think he's a pivotal player and a dynamic player, but I don't think us losing him or him going to start his own Seattle thing was the reason why we never won um yeah so because we, we transform into a different team and clearly that new team still could dominate mm-hmm. or get really close to dominating
2: so if the question is would we have ever won an open if we had lucas um yeah it's a tough question to answer are oh. we could you know on paper were we a better team with lucas i think that's almost undeniable um but not chemistry wise but maybe not chemistry wise yeah. uh and one of strategy wise yeah so. one of my one of and you know i i uh again you know not not to crap on lucas but i would say my my uh criticism of his game is that when the game doesn't revolve around him he's a little worse than he is when the game revolves around him and mm-hmm. that's not to say that he makes the game about him or that he's a selfish player but oh. I i think that's true you know and to say it i think that's true of me too when it's on me. I think I play better. Like, I think when I uh, am forced into a position where I have to produce, I think I produce more, which you know, of course the that makes for a
0: sense. Right? Yeah.
2: So, um, but, but that doesn't always translate when you're not the player that you can still produce the same way. And I think Lukas has grown because, you know, some of the, he had an injury for that 2018, 2019 season. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had to find other ways to play because he was still playing. He just wasn't playing as a right-handed dominant thrower. Yeah. So uh, he found other ways to play. And I think that really helped grow his game. Um, and, you know, maybe if we had that Lucas now healthy, that would be a different story. But he may have never had to go through that learning experience had he stayed with us. It's, you know, it's a lot of what-ifs. Um, on paper, we we be a better team? I think that's undeniable.
0: Yeah. No, I think... Yeah, I mean, the question is a difficult question because it's not really a, there's no tangible answer to it. It's a
2: what if. Yeah, if I'm happy if. to answer what ifs, yeah. but it might ruffle some feathers here and
0: there. <laughs> um, let's move to the to the rise section of the of the question. Uh, and Sean, you sort of touched on it quickly, but not really. What, uh, how did the jump to rise happen?
1: Well, um, as a team, uh, a few players kind of just were, Ready to call it, um, Ricky uh, was just not upset, but just it was, he thought it was time uh, to stop traveling and play and go from there. And I think, didn't Reeve even mention that he wanted to be done,
0: Alan?
2: Yeah, His, Reeve did and
1: that, Did
0: Reeve ever come back from Texas? I like, haven't
2: <laughs> seen him, for, like, have seen him since then. Yeah. He was climbing fences somewhere.
0: Yeah. <laughs> has anyone seen him since
1: then? And- oh that's so great <laughs>
2: um
1: yeah so it was kind of like a the people that were ready to be done uh everyone knew that it was coming sort of thing mm-hmm. and the people that were willing to continue on in some way we all knew who we were um so we went from there and was and- there an
0: idea to try to reload from portland or from seattle or We we talked about it, but it wasn't much of an option. Mm -hmm.
2: So I think, you know, this is, this hits into a bigger question, but Elite and now USA Dodgeball gives you no incentive to do that. No. Right. They, they, you go to a tournament and the point of the tournament is to go and win and there's nothing to balance or make your team better or help your community by building it up and bringing better players with you from your area. And no part of this is incentivized that way. And I think that's unfortunate personally, but I have to play, you know, within the rules of the system. And that means to come with the best team that I can come with. And I'm willing to take a trade off and say that, you know, I'll, if, say, you know, Rise had asked me a year earlier and everyone wanted to come back, then I would have I gone back to Rainbows. Because it's close enough of a good team that I'm not, I'd rather play with exactly all the people. I wanted to play with so for me the way it happened was tim uh asked me at nationals in 2019 he's like hey you should come play with us and i said that's uh an honor thank you uh but as long as rainbows is playing i'll always be on rainbows uh and so once the tournament ended and maybe a week after uh i you know sent a message to the team and was like hey i got asked to play on rainbows as long as rainbow or on rise as long as rainbows is going to still exist I'm gonna be on Rainbow's. Uh, you know, what's everyone's thoughts for next season? You don't need to tell me right now, but it would be nice if we knew soon that we were all coming back. And yeah. pretty quickly, uh, Ricky had already made it known to us that he was—he was actually going to be done last year.
0: Yeah, uh, I, mean, he, he, I year talked before. to Ricky, and he told me he was done just with the idea that he felt like 8.5 was being
2: phased out, yeah. phased
0: out, or you know, whatever de incentivized or whatever you want to call it uh just you know that was the ball type he liked and he didn't like the other ball types and the fact that he couldn't really everyone was focusing on that he didn't didn't want to play anymore yeah he he was
2: he was this close to cutting it after 2018 and he came back at 2019 and we played one more year with him and i think Koiv was also like i could take it or leave it Mm -hmm. uh it's getting to add up and you know i also love 8.5 and then uh greg was done greg's uh Greg is like the forgotten rainbow. Everyone forgets who Greg was because we didn't actually have him do very much. He was he was a a very good.
0: I I think on one podcast I was like, yeah, the other guy who wears the backwards.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the backwards hat and the zombie tattoo on his arm. Yes, (laughs) Uh, Greg was a great glue guy. Like I don't think you could have. I we could have asked for a guy who more did exactly what he was told to do, and never complained. Teammate. Yeah. Exactly. Um. I actually, so I, 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 play with him. He's the one guy I play computer games with mostly. And I asked him today, I was like, Hey, we're doing a podcast tonight. You want me to say anything? And he's like, it was fun. I think we all had fun. That's <laughs> that's what he wanted me to say. So there you go, Greg. It was that's fun. <laughs> um, but he, he was ready to be done. Like the amount it was adding up every year to travel and just some of the extracurricular stuff that always seemed to come from us going and playing. He was ready to be done with it. Um, oh, Hey doggy. <laughs> uh so when he you know when that's half the team Reeve was the one that was like if we're all going to keep playing I'll keep playing but I don't want to go play you know with something else uh and so when half the team was ready to be done I was like all right well uh I'm going to take this opportunity then and I talked to Tim Moore about bringing you know Sean or Brandon I think he asked me about Brandon first And I was like, well, what about Sean too? And he wasn't really sure what the next season's team was going to look like. So there was, there was some like frantic shuffling. I don't know if you've, if you've ever been in a conversation with Tim, but Tim doesn't like texting. So in that like month or two months where all that broke down, I talked to Tim more on the phone than I talked to anyone else for the entire previous two years on the phone, (laughs) like more like so much, so many phone calls he would just call and he would, it was something you could have even easily said in a text. Like it wasn't like elaborate things that happened. He would just call and be like, Hey, so this, and I'm like, all right, bye. Later. (laughs) So, uh, that, that was a unique part of being, you know, courted and working.
0: He just doesn't like texting.
2: (laughs) So, um, yeah, it eventually it became the three of us. Um, and there was some things we worked through to get it to that point, but
1: it was almost okay. like we were making, a like, a trade deal.
2: Yeah, it did kind of feel like a negotiation a little bit.
1: Yeah. Not that any either side didn't get what they asked for, but it kind of felt like that.
0: So the, the final roster is, is Tim, Serge, Jim, Andy, you, uh, you two, and then Brandon, right? It's a seven-person team.
2: And uh- – and then Kyle Tomasov also. So I think so Kyle's
0: only on the open no sting, on, only on the open bag.
2: no sting. Yeah. So coed is even different than that. Coed mm-hmm. is uh, the 3 rainbows. 3
1: rainbows.
2: Yeah, <laughs> coed is basically rainbows. It's Brandon, Sean, me, and Tim. So only mm-hmm. one guy from Rise and then Tina Aramburu, um, Tanya, mm-hmm. I remember her last name, Justine and Heidi. Cho. Heidi. Okay. Two. Heidi Chiu.
0: Yeah. And then Jim probably steps off for open no sting, I'm guessing.
2: Yeah, that Definitely might be true it. because Jim doesn't like no sting very yeah. much. He doesn't think he's very good at it. Um, I think he's technically t- still on the roster and, w- you know, Serge has got a growing family. So I think there was some idea that he may not be at some of the tournaments. I don't know.
0: Yeah. So When I talked to Serge last year, you know, he was working in LA and he wasn't going to be playing, but I think, of coronavirus, he was no longer working at that job and he's back in San Diego. And yes, he is back, back in San he's Diego now back on the team. So, yes, uh, and I think you know there's going to be a lot of changes on a lot of teams after this. You know, depending on when we can get back on the court, when it's safe for people to start playing dodgeball again, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I was talking to someone, I think that there's you know probably there could be 20 to 50 percent of people that just don't, yeah, any you know, like. They're just like, I'm done. You know, I took a year and a half off or two years off, whatever it ends up being. You know, I'm
2: you get get a year or two years of aging and no fill in, no backfill. So, yeah, it could be a big. 30
0: to 32 or, you know, 33 to 35, whatever it ends up being. Yeah. Uh, So I think it'll be interesting to see how many people sort of just drop off and just decide it's not worth it for me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I hope nobody does because I don't know. Yeah, but I don't it, know what I'll do. it's like my um. My,
1: my hope plan. is that the thinning will be <laughs> the diehards and the best of the best will really kind of stick around. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it'll trim some fat. Yeah.
0: And Could be definitely.
1: Then we can maybe get back to that sort of like elite eight style, where it's like the best of the best, and not filling our time in the day with a two-minute round of a slaughter.
0: Um, so. Rise has always sort of been known for like dudes like you know like the weekend warrior practices. They have like you know strategy upon strategy. You know everyone's got to wear the same clothes, the same shoe color, the same sock color, whatever it all is. Is it going to lighten up? Is this you know like the rainbows? You know, the colorful team comes in. The you know guys who wear taco jerseys. Uh, <laughs> is that stuff? God, no, up? those are horrid. Hopefully, are you, are you guys going go to get a see rainbow a and have a practice eventually, or?
1: hopefully we can get at least get a rainbow, uh, rise Jersey made up in the next year or two.
2: As, as of now it's rise. We have, we all have our rise jerseys purchased. Jim Jim has them down in San Diego. Um, we, we're playing with that. I mean, rainbows had other than the shirt rainbows had basically the exact same uniform, black shorts, Mm -hmm. you know, was, we had the same look. So, um, you know, I, it would be cool to do like a crossover jersey, something that's halfway in between yeah. or added more color. I I think color was a big part of m- my thing. I like a lot of color, color. So I I rainbows was like that was awesome for me. I loved that. And the rise jerseys, they're nice. And there's four colors that we can you know if we have four different jerseys, so there's a lot of variety. But that is a bummer for me that I have to wear like a one or two color jersey now. And do you
0: guys think you guys are you? I mean, I don't know if it was planned or was there planned before. The start of the lead season that you guys were going to go down to san diego and do like a weekend training camp kind of thing i know that that's something that they used to do
2: no we didn't have anything like no. that i mean literally that first tournament got canceled like the thursday oh, yeah, first... before it that's... so I we hit... skipped my flight <laughs> oh yeah i canceled mine and got my refund ah. uh so i we had gone down there me and brandon went down for the ndi yeah. that was like our you know kind of learn make that was the practice yeah that was the sort of the practice so um, yeah, you know, what? I'm not sure what made Tim decide that something like that wasn't necessary or whatever it was. I, I don't think it necessarily wouldn't have been necessary. Rain has never done anything like that ourselves. We don't have like a workout regimen or anything like that. I think we all sort of just hold each other accountable. If, if someone had come to a tournament and it was obvious that they were out of shape, we would have just said something. Yeah. And they would have fixed it. So
1: I, I also, no, go ahead.
2: no, that's it.
1: Okay, I was going to say, too, that I feel like there was some trust that we gained over the years because they knew who we were. They knew that we came prepared for every tournament. Um, We weren't drinking or doing anything crazy during a tournament. We took everything seriously. So they knew that we were there to win and that if possible, we would definitely try and make a practice or something like that in San Diego. But. They also knew that it was rather unrealistic to ask that out of us. Cause it's not like it's a four hour drive. It's a flight.
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: it's unrealistic. Um, but I think that's where that trust came in and that's why they chose who they chose. I mean, they knew that we were going to bring it.
2: Yeah, so they, Sean, we didn't have could, practice. could you imagine back in 2016 us joining rise? Like, <laughs> yeah when we first joined we freaking hated those guys like, that was the worst they were the worst like i think in that first round in palm springs tim like swore at kate <laughs> and we all like about lost it like we would we would have yeah, had it thrown out of the tournament had it been on us yeah we all hated billy yeah.
0: well, yeah, those so. rise guys definitely you know they always they center themselves off there they section themselves off into like a corner of the gym they sort of sit there they don't talk to anyone else during the tournament at least i mean even at nationals last year they they found that like little or was it yeah last year at nationals they had that little room that they <laughs> yeah like, yeah,
2: that yeah that they, they took over in, like, that
1: in it's the like they're the most day, yeah. unsocial
0: team during the tournament <laughs> so, yeah. so
2: that was their, part of their
1: plan is they uh they brought us on to Help their reputation.
0: Maybe.
2: Yeah, oh my
1: goodness. <laughs> it's
0: <more socialization.
2: laughs> well, it's more social for sure. I mean, that's definitely a part of my pre-tournament ritual—is going around and saying hi to everyone. Um, but uh, it's—if you think they're bad now, like they were a million times worse. They've gotten a lot better.
1: Totally. Yeah. They're very approachable. When the first the tournament we went they to, did. didn't seem like they wanted anything to do with us, and when no we mean, beat them, they were very upset.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't. I did not ever see us being friends with them either that no. or at nationals. It wasn't until like round one, round two the next year where it, it seemed like they softened up. Maybe it was just that they thought it was we were a joke those first couple times because we, we did. I mean, joke. we kind of looked like a joke. Like, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. We kind of looked like a joke. So maybe they like took that extra personally that they got beat by what they thought was a joke. And then the next year when we came in in that first round, we got. Third and open, and second and open, and Co at eight point five. They realized we weren't actually a joke, mm-hmm. and that maybe they were like, "Okay, well, it isn't so bad that we lost to this." <laughs> <game.">
0: <laughs> um, have they given you the the, the playbook, or is it, is the playbook no longer a thing for Rise? Have you no guys studied here. your play? have you guys studied no. your plays? No
1: playbook. I, and that's the thing, though. I I know that they have that like relative plays that they have designed and. We are going to bring plays as well, Um, but what we're all really like the reason why this team was created is because the dodgeball IQ is extremely high, and Mm -hmm. we don't need to share a playbook. Playbook short of like maybe talking about it after the fact and then just learning from there. Mm -hmm. But we've we've all played everybody that's going to be at these tournaments, short of some newbies that are going to come out. But we know how to play, so we don't really need a playbook. And I don't think that they would expect us to be one either.
2: Yeah, I think there's something to be said for when, you know, we've talked about this a lot, but when you share dodgeball philosophies, that mix is not difficult. Like once you, when you join a new group where everyone's already on a similar or same page, like it doesn't, the adjustments are small. I, I, when I first started playing with Ricky here locally, like Sean said, there was like a little pods we each had our little pair when we formed Rainbows. Mm-hmm. my partner in that was Ricky. And when I joined the team that he ran in our local league, that was probably like, you know, top two team in our local league. It was, it was right away that I fit in. Like there wasn't a learning curve. I didn't need to learn how to play with their team or what they did. We just, it just worked. Like it was just talent and philosophy. Yeah. Um,
0: so you, you sort of talked about it earlier. Andy is also on the team and he's sort of the one person who sort of comes from outside of the Rainbows or the rise guys. Do you feel like he's the one that sort of has to be molded sort of into the more strategic player than anyone else? He's definitely from my, you know, of watching Andy, he's definitely the more wild card player of, of you guys. Yeah. The he, rise guys. he seems like the kind of player that
1: doesn't need, like maybe needs some guidance, but we all do at times. But he seems like the player that would would always have to be like the star of whatever team he was on, mm-hmm. and we really think, and I, I mean, I really think that he's gonna thrive in this system because he's gonna be like the sneaky killer that everybody's like, oh sh-.
2: and he's on that team. I forgot about him. Well, that'll have like that. I, I that'll happen so many times. It'll be like for yeah. rainbows. Like I felt like a lot of times I was that player. Like totally. they'd have to deal with you or Brandon or you. Yeah, you or Brandon, and then all of a sudden I'm hitting them from the side. They're like, oh crap, Allen's over there. Well, yeah. now, like, think about on this team, it's you know Tim, Brandon, Sean, Andy, Alan. Like, I'm way down. I'm even farther down the list now. Like, this is amazing. And people are gonna forget about me even more. I love it. Yeah. So, um, I think he'll benefit from not having to be, you know, when he was on Havoc, they had Ronk and yet Andy and Ronk, and those are two kind of big attention drawing guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think it helps a lot to move down that list somewhat. And then maybe you raise yourself back up to the top of that list at some point, like maybe that you, it's still, you still rise up and now you help those players below you, but it's sort of like, I don't know how familiar everyone with his, with his baseball protecting your big hitters. So the reason those lineups are the way they are, so they can't walk your third or second guy or fourth guy. And the guy right after them just stinks. So you, you know, you have a high chance at that next out. So I think our, our, our um, team is sort of set up like that, where we protect all of those guys, you know, not just on the court, but sort of metaphorically as well mm-hmm. um, in a way that someone like Andy will benefit from that. Um, I also think that I I'll work with, really well with Andy. I talked about this a little playing right next to Andy and just being able to help Andy and advise Andy and, you know, maybe even step in front of Andy and just say, Nope, not right now, Andy, or grab him. You know, there'll probably be yeah. a time where I have to slow him down.
0: So are you uh, guys going to put Andy on that left corner?
2: So, yeah, as the plan is, as we've talked, is Andy's left and then I'm two, where I played next to Sean in 2018. Mm -hmm. Tim is still right, Mm -hmm. and then it'll probably be Jim or Serge or whoever that other person is, Kyle, who's somewhere next to him, and then Brandon and Sean in the middle.
0: Yeah. Sean, how do you feel about being a middle?
1: Um, I mean, I'm not worried about it. Uh, If all of my job is, is to get one or two big outs and then let – everybody else go for it, then go. I'm totally fine with that.
0: You know, hard is your inner Billy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm the new Billy on that <laughs> team. <laughs> um, hopefully I can uh, get to his catching level that he recently had. Um, but the big thing I believe is that we have a lot of players that can play anywhere on the court. So if Tim gets out, I'll slide in that corner. If Andy gets out, Alan will slide in that corner. So it really doesn't matter where we play and that all might change once we get some, uh, games under our belt and we'll become more fluid. So I think the the depth of our team is going to really show through. Um, cause when you have to put somebody like me that predominantly a corner in the middle, because you already have a couple corners it can turn out really well, um, because. Brandon seems to think I can catch. We'll see. <laughs> um, so that I might have to work on that. But I'm really excited for it. Um, just knowing that the the, the smart players are on my uh, sides, like I won't be afraid to take shots. So that'll be cool.
0: You got to work on your fall-into-your-ass play. like Billy. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. They'll like trap the ball on your foot as you're yeah. falling down. I don't know how yeah. he does
0: He's that. He's so good but... at that. Though. He's yeah. so big. It's amazing how quickly he gets... Laying down, down flat—that's <laughs> yeah. the only way big
1: guys get small is by laying down.
2: Yeah. Um, so what, you know, one one big thing that changed while rainbows was the thing you talked about, Lucas leaving, and we immediately added Greg. But it was later in that twenty season, twenty eighteen season at Nationals that we added Brandon, and um, Brandon was a player that a lot of people would have looked at, similar to Andy earlier in his career, and that he was a team, whatever team he was on, he was sort of the guy, and he drew the all the one. attention. But he wasn't looked at as necessarily a good decision maker. He could be a hothead. He would maybe always try to make a play that was bigger than he needed to make. You know, some things like that. And um, he grew out of that. And a lot of that was before he joined us. But some of it was also from, you know, us talking to him and him talking to us throughout the time up to when he joined us. So um, I definitely don't think that players, I, I think that players can change. And I think a lot of what it what a player is has to do with their environment as well. Certainly, players aren't only their environment, but their environment is some of what they are. Yeah, yeah I
0: think there's something well, really nice for a player like Andy or Brandon. You know, and uh, you know, when you're that target one on every team that you play on, and suddenly you go and you don't have to worry about. Okay, maybe I, I may be still target one, but I, if I get out, you know, I've got four, five, six other players behind me that are going to catch me back in, that they can win the game without me. Um, it takes some of that little pressure off your, off you. And it lets you play a little bit more free and maybe totally it allows like. you to be a, a better player in the long run. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting to see how that happens as well. Yeah. Brandon's talked to me
1: about that specifically. And he's, he's excited for me to play the middle because he he's enjoyed playing the middle with rainbows after coming from a few teams where he was the star. And he loves the fact that he's like, a sneaky thrower, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is crazy to think about because Brandon's arm arms are incredible, and to call <laughs> him like a sneaky middle is kind of a disservice. But it's also kind of goes to show that the team uh, can really like propel players if you put them in the right places or relieve some pressure in certain places. So I, I'm excited about it because as a corner, like I was always either a left corner, and then I switched to a right corner. There's always a lot of pressure in the corner mm-hmm. um so i'm i'm excited to not play the corner at least yeah. not all the time and kind to see how that feels so i'm gonna rely on brandon's having fun with it for the last year and go from there
0: um who who are you i mean i feel like i know the answer but who are you most excited to play with from that rise team i mean i imagine it's probably tim just being able to sort of like hear how he sort of sees the game and thinks about the game and, and sometimes be able to watch him take out a team, you know, standing right there on the court and see it all happen in front of you.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, Tim's a a transcendent player uh, for
2: sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, not to cheat you out of an answer, I, I'm become really close with Jim. Jim's one of my good friends and I talk Mm -hmm. to Jim a lot. I'm excited to play with Jim and Jim's, excuse me, Jim's another one of those guys, like we talked about, like Greg, for Rainbows was where he's that he's like the glue guy like he's the the all-around teammate who whatever you ask him to do he'll do it and it's not He brings all the
0: gatorade he takes care of everyone
2: yeah he totally. oh my gosh he is team mom as well as yeah. team on the court
0: <laughs> he wished me a happy halloween dude's so great yeah it's kind of amazing how many i mean just the dodgeball community i mean i don't know you guys do you guys know jeremy Bizzle and like the fact that he Ask people if they want Christmas they wrote cards. Wrote the
2: letters. You know, yeah. it's like,
0: I mean, it's just amazing the, the type of people that sort of seem to like, gravitate to dodgeball and the people that stayed around, I think are really amazing. There's quite a few amazing people in this community of ours. Yeah. So,
2: Sean, That's did it. you have someone else or something um, else? To I add?
1: mean, I, I just am super excited to play with Tim. Uh, I love a good dodgeball IQ, I thoroughly enjoy watching. Someone that can manipulate the game without being the most athletic—I um, think that's just amazing. Um, so I'm really excited to play with him and to be able to have him manipulated in my favor is going to be <laughs>
2: excellent. <laughs> yeah, t- yeah, Tim, Tim doing Tim stuff—that's yeah. good for us—is going to yeah. be exciting. Yeah,
0: not doing Tim stuff to you. Yeah. We don't There's have only design a few
1: plays for him. We get to design plays with him, which
2: is yeah. So There's cool. only a few players, and Lucas is another one of those players where it's just Luke, sometimes Lucas just does Lucas stuff. And what were we supposed to do? Yeah. Uh, and uh, like the double catch that he had with against you and James, I think at the yeah. classic a couple years ago. Like sometimes Lucas just, just does like, Lucas stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And Tim is one of those players; he can do Tim stuff. And yeah.
1: And you're not even mad about it because it's just so amazing to be uh, just to watch it. You're like, yeah. Well, that sucks for me, but that was pretty freaking amazing.
2: Yeah.
0: And uh, what do you think is the biggest challenge putting this team together? Do you think it's just going to be the chemistry and just getting used to how each other play or sort of knowing roles or that kind of stuff, or you're not really concerned about any of that kind of stuff?
1: I mean, it, maybe it's a little naive, but I'm not concerned with any of that stuff. I think that, again, I keep saying dodgeball you, but it's every player on, that, on this team has it, and it's, it's going to be one of those things where just like eye contact is made and we just do what we need to do sort of thing. So I, I don't think there's going to be a steep learning curve. And in fact, they proved it when they went down and played in the uh, California tournament earlier this year, they
2: they did it. They, yeah. I mean, so I don't know what else there is. I don't
1: think there's going to be much.
2: Yeah. I mean, I could, name, we've sort of already talked about some, what some of the on paper challenges are, you know, you know, with Andy, um, and just positions that Sean's going to be kind of learning a new position. Um, other than that, I mean, I'm not learning a new position. Um, Tim's still doing his same thing. Andy or Andy has always played corner. So Mm -hmm. it's not like he's learning how to play corner and nothing really changes for Jim. Nothing really changes for Brandon, you know, so still staying the same place. Yeah. Those, you know, Serge and Kyle are still going to be doing the same things that they were doing. So, uh, Yeah, it it just – there's on paper things that, you know, this is what we need to look at. This is what we need to keep our eye on, and Mm
4: -hmm. these
2: might be things that we adjust down the road. But, you know, the word challenge could be – I wouldn't say there's anything that rises to the level of this is the challenge. You know, this is going to be what, you know, makes or breaks our team. I don't think there's anything that breaks our team.
0: And then how do you guys feel like you sort of match up against sort of the best teams in the country? You know, I mean, I would say the best – Five or six teams in the country. You have three of them out in the West with you guys, Heat and Crisis. I would put Anarchy and Shred from the East Coast. I would say Outsiders from the South. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, I would normally say, you know, Bush, but Bush is, you know, dismantled.
2: So I think Maybe there's one more team in the West, force? like Bumblebees or something. I think it's the team that Vince and uh, Dionne. Demonte are on now. Yeah,
0: but that's a that's their no sting team. Oh, is it only no
2: sting? Oh, okay.
0: So Demonte's on thieves.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, thieves. You got to put thieves in that group too. I think they're on the cusp of that group, sure. Yeah, Yeah. um, that's one of
0: those teams that is like you look at again, you look at them on paper, and you're like, that is, you know, one of the most talented teams out there. Every single one of those players can throw, they can catch. Xander's an amazing player. I think Allen and Tony are really good players. um Demonte's is an amazing player, but they just—they like, never seem to put it together. And you know, maybe this is the year where they—you know—they put it together. I mean, they put it together in UDC, so you know they can eventually do it. It's just they haven't done it in elite yet. Uh,
2: yeah. So. Um, how do we match up against Heat? Um, I, you know what? Until we lost to them at that round two, I always felt like we matched up really well against Heat. And in Nationals, we played them in No Sting. I don't know if you remember that. Went to it went to seven when Sean could barely like stand up so like um i think we i think rain matched up really well against that team and i think this team is uh better than rainbows so and if they're if their team is i you know i don't know if there's any changes to their team but you know in 8.5 i think we match up against that team no problem like that's not a that you know i'm not saying they're a bad team and we're going to roll them but i don't see any like insurmountable challenge there yeah, in uh, no sing, it's a little different. A lot of those guys are no sting players, like Tyler and Asidro. Um, Aciedo, and uh, their guy in the middle that throws curveballs. I can't remember his name. Kyle's friend.
0: Yeah. Oh, Connor. 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 Lake. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, like a lot of those guys are in um, Dylan, really no sting guys. So uh, that'll be the more interesting matchup to me for us is what is overcoming those challenges and that a lot of us don't. Like I don't do anything really that special with the nosing ball. I throw it really accurately. You know, Brandon throws it hard. Sean throws it well, and he does a little bit with it curve wise. You know, Tim, I think he's worse at nosing than he is eight point five. <laughs> so, you know that that one is the bigger one where I look at. It, I'm like, yeah, you know, that'll be fun. I can't wait to beat them yeah. at their own game.
1: And then Crisis, I think Crisis would be the only team that I would be concerned with, as everybody in the nation should be concerned with, just because. But it's one of those teams where if you can crack them a little bit um, by slowing the game down, which if you combine Rise and Rainbow, that's what you're going to get. Um, <laughs> I think it would match up fairly well against them too. I would say that they probably have an advantage um, because the talent is so deep and the arms are so strong on that team. Um, but the versatility, I
2: think, is where we're really going to shine. Um, yeah. Is there any changes to that team? I thought I I heard that some players were not coming back.
0: Uh, Not to my knowledge, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it hasn't happened. Okay,
2: yeah, I don't know anything for sure, so I won't start announcing players aren't coming back (laughs) right now. (laughs) Um, I I think a lot of I I think a lot of decrypting crisis is figuring out what to do with Catchem. When Crisis didn't have Catchem at round two last year, they looked a shell of their normal team, which is understandable. Ketchum is, if not the best player, he's definitely in the top group. And Pine is up there too, but it felt like without Ketchum, they didn't really figure it out. They almost lost to our other Portland team here in in 8.5 at that one, and then we beat them in 4-1. to So um, really it's just about figuring out and not overreacting to Ketchum on the court, like not overexerting to fate, to beating Ketchum and putting mm-hmm. yourself in a bad position because of it. So, uh, I think Tim's played against those players for a really long time. And I think he'll be able to add some stuff to stuff that we already do. We yeah. haven't discussed this team by team strategy stuff yet, but I, I don't see, you know, I don't see that as being like, you know, we don't, I, I would, when we step on the court, I would say 50, at, 50 at worst.
0: And uh, I know you're sort of joking and, and you know, I know both of you sort of discount the South. I really, I mean, I, I, you know, Sean and I, you, we've had this conversation online we, you know, constantly talk about the South not being talented, but after now, seeing, after not seeing, uh, after seeing outsiders now in person, now two, three years in a row, I think those guys are as talented in the country that those players are as talented of players as there are in the country. And it, it, it's one of those teams that I, I like because it is like rainbows used to be Dallas, you know, they're all within like 20 miles of each other. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they actually built the team from within, you know, for, yeah, it's, within it's, it's,
2: and there's family on the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, as much as I joke, and I, maybe I don't do it as much as you guys about the South mm-hmm. sucking, that's something I really appreciate and, and um, can get on board with. And, you know, to their credit, outsiders has finished in nationals tournaments better than we have. You know more than once True. so you know it's not that they're bad um but they don't i don't think they match up i think that they don't match up necessarily well and i just i i think when i play them i don't always understand how they get to where they get
3: mm-hmm. Maybe, you
2: know and that's you know part of that's being in a big tournament with a lot of teams you know not everyone plays the same teams to get to the same place uh yeah. but we played them they came to round two here we played them in the bracket of Open No sing and we beat them 4 to 1 and the only game we lost I caught Sean in and, and into a 1 on 1 and he and the guy made a crazy catch and we beat them pretty smoothly all the other games so it just in my on court time against them I haven't yeah. I haven't seen it and yeah. you know that's it's not that I haven't seen them play well against other teams I just haven't experienced that myself
1: yeah I I would say that they're I mean, not to just rail on the South sucks, but I think they are kind of hurt being that they play so many lesser teams so often that Definitely. they don't develop their strategy as much as maybe they could if they played better teams more. And yeah. I really give them a lot of credit for coming to that West round last year. As a, they stepped out of their box and they got beat pretty – They, like, did, pretty they cross did come the out board, of, round of the
0: one seed, right?
2: They did played. come out of, of open 8.5 with the one seed, Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Which is not, you know, that's, I mean, admittedly they failed in the playoffs, but that's not nothing, you know?
2: It's not nothing. It's close to nothing, but it's not nothing. (laughs) It's, I mean, look, it, because of the way seeding, you know, I've always been an advocate for making seeding mean more. If, but the problem is there's so many teams and you don't play all of them that you, I would have to look at who they played to know what that means, right? They may have played 10 games, lost to two of the teams, you know, they may have lost to Doom and Heat in that, and or no, Crisis and Heat. Doom wasn't around then. And they may have beat the other eight teams, and it just so happens that Doom and Heat also lost two games, and some kind of tiebreaker meant them yeah. being in first. Yeah. They didn't play us, so I can't.
0: From you know, what I remember, I'm pretty sure they went undefeated in, in Round Robin. It was probably a soft bracket, for but sure. But I could be wrong.
2: <laughs> well, I'm just willing to say it. It might not even be true. It was a soft bracket.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and to be clear, I love all those guys. Uh, after the like initial like South is trash, uh, trash talking. Uh, I've really grown to know a lot of them, and they're all great people, and I respect them as dodgeball players. So that's not to take away from their uh, talent or ability at all.
0: They are also probably the most honest team I think I've ever seen yeah. play. They take every little nick, every little uh event. and they do it with a smile. <laughs> yeah. And they're super honest. And you know that, you know, they often expect it from the other team. And I think that sometimes hurts them because they get a little annoyed that the other teams aren't being as honest.
1: Yeah, I've seen that too. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um,
0: going back to sort of what we were talking about earlier, Alan, do you think there's a way that or any reason why elite or I guess USA dodgeball could implement something so that we do actually have teams from region. You know, let's say, you know, you have to make your team within, you know, 30, 40, 50 miles of your, your center city or something like that.
1: Well, so, let me answer that. Let me answer that real quick too, because so I played a traveling kickball uh, back in the day and traveled for about three years,
3: mm-hmm.
1: won a handful of tournaments nationally and ended up stopped playing because they forced a district team on teams and unfortunately the team that i was on was a portland-based team or had grown into a portland-based team and then right before all the zoning or restrictions or whatever happened most of my team all the best players bailed and found a new team and were grandfathered in and then that kind of killed it so i hear that, that it's good to be local teams or have local teams um and to not build super teams but it i haven't i can't see it working
2: so it it forced you out of the sport but i think i want to try to distill down what you said because i think you said it in a way that i had to think about what you were saying to understand what happened is they didn't have a rule you had a local team like rainbows you had a rainbows team and then that team broke up right as they created a rule yeah and other teams that were really good stuck around and were able yeah. to keep their kind of crazy teams of people from different places super teams. and you were left out in the cold because you couldn't then join a super team because yeah. of this new rule so it seems like they did it in a way that made it hard it, it just kind of maybe they were trying to make too many people happy
0: i mean if, if me. they had gotten rid of the grandfather rule and just said everyone has to be on a team within 30 miles of their you know wherever they live
2: then they would
1: have broken up established teams. That would be like telling uh crisis that they can't play because they yeah, don't I mean stay. that
2: would be, it may hurt in the short term but in the long term if you have enough players that the sport's going to continue to grow, mm-hmm. that's going to make it grow more. So totally, I don't Yeah, I hear that. I don't know if there's necessarily a great way to do it. You you mm-hmm. could do something where it's not every player but at least like four or five players or something like that. Um elite this is something Elite really struggled with was their travel player rules. And this is something I had many conversations with about Mark, about rules that he would write and then not necessarily enforce. Mm -hmm. Because he would say, oh, the spirit of the rule. or I had an argument about what a free agent was because one player was a free agent and one player wasn't, but they weren't different. It it was the same circumstance. But because uh, some minor bias towards this player, or that player made them not some player was allowed to travel and that player created a lot of drama because they traveled and joined the best team and that team still won. And then that's, we all
0: know who you're talking about. It was catch, yeah, him. Yeah, 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 it's it's catch right him going enough, and
2: playing. Enough. Yeah, exactly. So, and then, it, but then players like uh, uh, Giovinco, I think it was Matt who played with um, Stingers. Was that their name in the yeah. South?
0: Yeah. Um, or, I think they had changed their name to Ascension at that point.
2: So they became Ascension later. This was before that. So he would travel because he still played on Awesome. Yeah, he he would would go play. Yeah, he would go. He helped form that team because they were some guys from Florida. I think that's where. um,
0: He didn't help form them because that team, Stingers, was built based out of Toon Squad and Story of the Year, which eventually became like some other. These are basically UDC teams, two Florida, Tampa-based UDC teams that eventually combined to make their team name Stingers and then eventually changed to Ascension.
2: But yeah. And then I'm going to butcher the name, but Kim, when he Kim came Wynne. from, yeah, he came from that team and he joined, he eventually joined Outsiders. But one of those years he played a tournament up there with o- Awesome. Yeah, he played and an then the same
0: tournament we're talking about.
2: Yeah. So there's like, there was some times where it seemed like it, there's a good thing that a player can do when they go to another region And they join a team. There's some really positive benefits of that. Glenn did it for a long time. He played on task force and then in the West, he would have teams that, you know, weren't a top team in the West. And it was clear that he was helping new players or players in that area of LA who wouldn't maybe be on other teams. Otherwise get, get their feet wet and get Mm -hmm. into the game and get playing time. They wouldn't normally play. So there's a good way you can do that. And there's a bad way you can do that. Um, and so a hard, fast rule. It needs to be specific and it needs to be enforced. And that's my biggest criticism of Elite is they would write rules and then they wouldn't necessarily enforce them in a way that made sense because they were trying to make players happy.
0: Well, that free agent rule was like weird because it was like, it was it didn't count at the first tournament. So anyone could play on any team in the first tournament until you like established yourself as a top four team. And then, so it's like, it didn't really totally make sense. But yeah. So, really
2: so you were supposed to be... It was supposed to carry over from last year, but Anarchy was a new team. Yeah. So of two now. top four teams, like, uh, come on, this yeah. is this. So that's why I'm saying, like, and at, Titan at is that no point, a
0: team or something, and
2: yeah, the spirit of the rule comes into play pretty clearly. Like anyone yeah. who interprets this is going to interpret it that way. Um. And so uh, as for a rule, I think it's unanimously better for dodgeball that when Koiv and Greg and Ricky and Reeve maybe are done traveling that Sean Brandon and I have to find three other players local to us that are good enough or help them be good enough or practice with them or teach them whatever it takes and get them to come it's unanimously better for dodgeball that's going to raise dodgeball players in our area. It also and it, behooves
0: it's... you to have sort of a secondary team that you can practice with. And yeah. you're growing players that can, you know, a feeder system through your age. Yeah, it,
2: it incentivizes us to to uh invest in our community here. Mm-hmm. It's And it's unfortunately very common that the best players are the players who do that the least. It's true all over the place. The best players are not the ones constantly investing in their community. And that's bad for the sport, uh, in my opinion. So I think it would be better in every facet it would ruffle some feathers there would be some teams that would have to break up but if those players were just going to quit because they couldn't come play with their team where they thought they were going to win is that are these like great people we need around all the time like i don't know maybe that's harsh but
0: no i think it's interesting i I, you know i struggle with it because you know we had some players move away and we added new players and we tried to add players mostly from Relatively close to us in New Jersey because we wanted players who would still be able to practice with us, um, but there, you know, we live in New York City and we couldn't find players that we felt like could join our team and still be able to compete. Um, with millions of people, you couldn't find any. You know, it's, it's really interesting. New York City, they <laughs> struggle to find players who want to no, yeah, play you're... competitive dodgeball yeah. and travel. You know, New York is such a you know business forward first city you know it's like people you know often don't have weekends free you know it's, yeah. just, it's just such a weird city um and even like in dodgeball you know like i said another thing that i think hurts us is the only other really dodgeball league we have in our city is just a social so you know it's hard the people that are competitive get weeded out pretty quickly we don't go to that league anymore anymore so we're not finding those players um and there's so many other so many other things that people can do here that yeah. this is hard you know
2: yeah i mean, I mean dodgeball dodge is way down the list of sports people are looking to play
0: i also think that we're all lunatics when you think about <laughs> it that we travel around the country or travel around up and down the east or west coast or wherever we're traveling to play a you know a a really fun sport in our opinion but you know it's hard to sort of just be like i'm going to jump into this crazy sport um i always think it's hard you know it's one of the reasons why i think it's really hard for the east coast to to improve improve the women's game is. It's, you know, like, hey, we're, you know, we live in New York City, but we're going down to Richmond, Virginia this weekend to go play dodgeball. It's like, that's kind of a big ask. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so. Yeah, especially when that dodgeball doesn't exist for them locally. Well, I yeah. mean, women's is a great example of this. Like, there's no women's league anywhere, to my knowledge, in the U.S. Maybe where in L.A.? Maybe, you know, I, I, not that I know of, personally. Yeah that that existed where it was literally just women's and even a, and you know above that even a competitive women's league right where these mm-hmm. women are going to want to play at the highest level so um, yeah it's even even more for women's and that's a huge challenge you know in the north and the south and the east where the women's player population is quite a bit smaller
0: i've um, even suggested that maybe the east drops co-ed and just does focuses on women's tournaments And just to help build up the player population of the women for a couple years and then sort of bring coed back into the fold just so that because i think it's a little a little intimate you know imagine coming showing up to a tournament and there's billy throwing at you you know that's yeah or mikey or you know like you know any number of the guys that are on the east coast or even the west coast but the women in the west coast have been so used to it that they're that there's so many of them and once you have a larger group of women it's easier to sort of bring more women in
2: and mm-hmm. if you, if you focus on building women's first, then, you know, co-ed will come from that. Like, you know, what 33% mm-hmm. of those women will play you know co-ed, yep. but then you have to play three and three and that number doesn't work. I don't know, <laughs> I know. That's a whole other issue. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, so I have a couple of questions before we get back to, uh, the crowdsource questions. Um, one of my favorite things about you guys and how I got to know you guys before I actually met you is I, you know, I watched a lot of your guys' games, and like I said, I, I stole the the non burden throw stuff from you guys and the shotgun throw, which we just talked about, um, and I just, I just, I watch a lot of footage. Who's gonna take over the? Is Portland Dodgeball now gonna become Rise Dodgeball as a YouTube channel? Are you allowed? I don't to think post, are you allowed to post Rise dodgeball games on, <laughs>
2: on whether you? we are or aren't we will so sean and quave did almost all the filming and portland dodgeball is the channel that i run so i'm not changing the channel if sean keeps bringing his camera and keeps recording it we'll keep having him upload it or he'll all give right. it to me and i'll upload it to that That's channel what i like
1: to hear well uh uh cg uh rainbow jerseys on everybody <laughs>
2: it'll be it'll come deep come. it'll be a deep fake yeah <laughs> <A>
0: deep <laughs> fake. <laughs> um And then, you know, is there any players you guys want to give shout outs to, um, you know, like, I feel like, you know, up and coming players in Portland that you guys want to talk about or anything like that is, is, is rain or what is their What is the other team's name downpour is downpour still a team?
2: To my knowledge, they were coming back. Yeah, so Reeve was going to play with them at round one. I don't know how he committed he was for the whole season, but he was set to play with them at round one, and it was basically the same team as the year before.
0: Why did so they, they change their were... from Grip City? It was the best. It was one of the best team uh, names.
2: I think. Name that, every year? Yeah, I think Michael White didn't think it was serious enough. I don't know. I thought it was one of the best team names too. And also, and maybe it Portland was like kind of Grip City. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of a rip-off of Rip City. Maybe I, thought it was,
0: it. I I loved that was one of my favorites. I,
2: I also loved it. I thought it was a better. And it, it could be both. Like it was Grip City Downpour. Yeah. Like yeah. that's what it originally was, which is which I thought was great. But I don't know why they went away from that. Um I I was hoping like I wanted to shout out all the players who really made Rainbows like possible and not just, you know, the folks on our team. Mm-hmm. But um it, throughout the years we had fill-ins, we had people who were at the tournaments who really what we did on the court, we couldn't have done without them helping us. So people like Paige, who was our team mom at like probably half of our tournaments when she was there, especially yes, in red or when she wasn't playing on women's, she was always at our court. She carried our schedule if she wasn't playing and she's like- She was one of okay, the only on shaggers
1: that would wear knee pads so she could slide
2: <laughs> at full speed to stop the ball at the center court line. That's awesome. Yeah, so players, players like her and Aldo who made our team possible, um, Anna was there for a good chunk of our tournament time and she was always rooting us on, um, Keith and Julie were always big and around it. You know, Keith's part of downpour, um, but Aldo played with us one time when we were missing Lukas, uh, let's see page actually page even played with us one time when Kate couldn't come last minute page yeah. played at round one last year or 2019 for us, um, players you know rainbows will still be a team for some things here locally but we've played in some other tournaments and you know players like natalie have played with us keith played with us at the at a vancouver tournament um so like players like that that have you know at different times or mark donovan and my dad who yeah. came with us that very first alfred. tournament alfred who came and played with us at round mm-hmm. three last year like some of those players were just rainbows wouldn't be what it was without contributions that they've made along the way so Like, you know, not to retire rainbows rainbows isn't dead. We'll still be at some things and you'll still hear rainbows at tournaments once in a while, but it's, you know, it's not the same thing as it was. And, uh, there were players, not just on the team, you know, every tournament like Kate and Tiffany and Sean and Brandon, Koi, Lukas, Zach, uh, Ricky, you know, Sean and I, you know, they're players, Greg. Not just the ones on the team, but there are other players and people behind the scenes that made that team what it was. And, yeah. and they deserve a big part of the appreciation.
0: I don't know what my Nationals are going to be like. I, there's not been a Nationals where I haven't played you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I,
2: I remember when we first played you guys in Boston. Yeah. I remember Willie. I love that guy. He, I don't think he played after that, but he was such a cool guy. Who? I, I think his name was Willie. Well, Maybe no it Willie. wasn't Willie. What? He was a shorter, <clears throat> shorter oh, black Will. guy. Speedy. Will. Yeah, yeah, he was the funniest guy. Yeah, I think fun. we brought you guys some fireball. Yeah, we of my best fun. friends here in the city. We had a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, those are good old days. Um, Sean, did you have anyone you want to shout out before we move on?
1: I mean, yeah, I think we I, we hit Alan hit on all the people that uh, were like our number one fans slash family slash uh, substitute players, and I mean. Yeah, they all made a difference, and on the court and off the court. Um, so it was, it was more than just the the six or eight, ten that ended up being a rainbow like long term at an elite tournament or yeah. Yeah, um, it was definitely a much bigger family than that, and that's one thing that we always kind of prided ourselves on is we even when we traveled, we always tried to stay together as much as possible, whether that was renting a house or all staying in the same hotel. Mm-hmm. And even if that was at a hotel that wasn't the um, team hotel. Event hotel, yeah. And I think that grew our bonds even more. So, and that includes the people outside of that, significant others, and all those people. So, yeah, I think that goes a long ways. And I think a lot of the good teams, that is a big part of it. I mean, like look at Vince. Like I think Vince plays better when his family's there,
0: <laughs> yeah, than when they're not. Well, Doom. I think he also considers Doom basically his family members. You know? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well.
1: Yeah. But I mean, what? like his
0: actual family. Yeah.
2: It doesn't like, hurt that his wife's reaching on the court to shake balls too.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Good one. Uh, but yeah, um... that stuff does go a long ways, and we definitely appreciate all the love over the over the years. And it goes to other teams too, like. Some people like Alan mentioned, mentioned before, like Tori and for your, for example, you too. Um, yeah. Like they always showed us love even when teams thought we were just whining or arguing to argue. Um, they're like, well, we'd get some, some DMs after the fact or private conversations that they're like, yeah, you guys were probably right. And they just didn't want to risk their reputation by saying anything then, which is fair. Yeah. So, We appreciate all those people and they definitely know who they are because we reached out to them all the time and we definitely talk to them often.
0: I guess before we move on to the, 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 uh, the crowdsource questions, there's one more question for you guys. So you guys are the head of the argument of pizza or tacos, right?
2: No, Ricky's above me. Oh, Ricky's above you. Yeah. I'm, I'm second. I would say
0: you guys are moving to San Diego rise, which is like the headquarters of tacos. I feel like tacos obviously wins out in the long run.
2: I don't know well, if I've asked all of so Rise. Good. Rise doesn't have a lot of them. Don't on Facebook, so they've never you been join, involved. You didn't in didn't New York. You
0: didn't start, join New York City Goat. You joined San Diego Rise.
2: Well, New York yeah. City Pizza is not even pizza. So. <laughs> okay,
0: comes from the guy from Portland.
2: Yeah. New, okay, New York City casseroles. Is that gonna be your team next season?
0: Well, New York City <laughs> if New York Oh City no no is no! Pizza. That's Detroit, isn't Chicago. it? Or Chicago? Yeah. Ah. See, I'm
2: not the guy who should be Even here. the pizza guy is
1: talking <laughs> about pizza.
2: Whatever, at least our jerseys aren't as ugly. God, this thing's are
1: horrid. You're, you mean your uh,
2: $10 Amazon special jersey? Exactly, yes. <laughs> uh, get her pizza, not pregnant. Exactly. Well, and to be
1: clear, though, um, Brandon and Andy have both played on tacos. So that's three tacos on our eyes. Oh, that's. So the uh, the vote has been has been readjusted. Well, and Justine, yeah, don't four.
2: forget Justine.
1: I oh, feel like, Justine's a four.
0: I feel like <laughs> Tim, Surge, and Jim, being San Diego guys, are just taco people.
2: No, I don't have it. Jim to Jim doesn't like ethnic food. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'll just leave that one there. <laughs> um, so let's move on to the the crowdsource questions. I feel like a lot of these we've sort of answered over the 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 questions but uh dom i have to ask them because last time i did a pod i forgot him dom asks so what would be the new rise bros team which i think you guys have said a couple times yeah. uh, what what made this happen we talked about that um how did the other members from rise or from rainbros react to the new team
2: um yeah i can't say how the guys that are on the outs on the rise side reacted alan and uh, chad and chris bell retired So, who cares what he thinks? Again. Yeah. (laughs) Again, yeah. Um, But, I mean, the Rainbows Rainbows players were supportive of it. Like we talked about, you know, three of the four were ready to be done. And Mm -hmm. the other one, you
1: know, he could take it I want to interrupt. You said Chris Bell, and I do want to give him a shout-out. He was always a huge rainbow supporter. Yeah, he was. Um, He was amazing. He would shag for us. Um, I I do know some people don't care for the guy, but – I have nothing but good things to say about
2: him. Yeah. So. He'd bring a towel. He'd say, does yep. anyone need water? He would always be there. Even if we just knocked their team out, he yep. would be back over to support us the rest of the totally. way. So. so that goes a long way. So
0: After, I don't know, Alan, you're no longer on Facebook, which we'll get to later. But Sean, you're still on <laughs> Facebook. After seeing what Alan has transformed his body this, uh, during quarantine, I don't know, Sean, have you seen that? Yeah, I have. Are you guys regretting not having Sean, Alan now on the team? I mean, he looks like a freaking superhuman now.
1: I mean, yeah, he looks crazy stacked. It, it's he looks extremely chiseled, like he was yeah. literally chiseled. I know it's amazing. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh...
2: It's not necessarily my place to get into that, but um, he had been injured a lot
0: the past mm-hmm. couple years. So that's true. Yeah. Just,
2: just, just from me to him, like if him getting into shape and all that makes him healthier and able to play through the whole season, then. Awesome for him, man. Whether he's on my team or not, I, I hope he can stay healthy and keep, you know, keep playing at a high level.
0: Yeah, I think it's yeah. great that he's gotten in such good shape, and I hope that does help him, him stay healthier. I know that. I mean, a lot of stuff. I think is just the way he plays. He throws himself all over the court. That it's you know hard not to hurt yourself. But yeah, being chiseled out of granite now, he won't get hurt. <laughs> Those guys, that guy's workouts that he would post on there were insane. They're crazy. <laughs> tired watching them. Um, Dom's question is, who is the captain?
2: Uh, Tim's the captain, but when Tim and I talked about it further, he said, I basically see you as another me on the court. Like, mm-hmm. I'll call the plays. If I'm out, then, you know, it's it's on you, whatever you want to call then. like, And that's something I think Rain was really good at, is you couldn't take out one of us, and and the team fell apart. Like, if you got me out, or you got whoever was calling our plays out, someone else just called plays.
0: We sort of all Rainbows were like, on that. It's the... almost like headless dodgeball. Not yeah. headless not like, no but yeah it had to be cut off
2: yeah it was it's not it's like a hive kind of you can't kill the queen you can't find our queen because she doesn't exist so yeah i mean and and the team dynamic would change like when i was playing when i was not corner um for the 2018 season people would get shot out and then i would be on on corner and it's like they're playing against a totally different team Mm -hmm. so like i see some of that still coming here like you try to take out whoever we're beating you with and Someone else is going to beat you. So, yep. Tim, you get Tim out, and Sean will move over to the corner or however we do it, and someone else is going to beat you. So um, that's just, like, that's goes back to what I said, we're like, protecting your lineup. Like, you can't walk one of us. Someone's going to make you pay
0: for it. I think one of the really nice things about your team dynamic, and, uh, you know, I've said a couple times on podcasts, I don't know if you've heard this, but I, I think Shred is the most talented team in the country now. But I do wonder whether they're going to – Meld together correctly, you know, I don't know if they have the right pieces that sort of fit together. And I think one of the things that's nice about you guys is I think your pieces all fit together pretty easily. Just like you're saying, you know, I think you're easily you'll take a back state role, you know, you'll, you'll play back line, you'll move off the way off wing, you don't need the ball in your hand at all times. I question whether shred, you know, those guys can all play without without the ball, you know, one of the things that made impact so good last year. Is they had those three clear players that always yeah. had the ball and then they and had now you, add, yeah. you know two three four more players who want the ball you yeah. know, there's only so many balls on the court and yeah think,
2: those those other guys deserved a lot of credit i think like mcmahon and trying to think of who the like the other two were that weren't
0: it's ryan and, and uh sean or the two guys who started impact and then tyler triple and ryan fricker was the other player that played with them yeah. for a the season um and three of those players have now been replaced
2: Okay. Yeah, right. So, so it's, uh, Matt and Kyle and
0: Matt that? Kyle and Jeff are still in the Jeff team. Giovinco,
2: so. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: then Sean's still on the team. And then they brought in Dylan Cruz and, uh, from KTC. Quan. Yeah. The two yeah. guys from KTC and Dylan, yeah. I think Dylan, actually you and Dylan are very similar players, you know, guys who can play corner, could play off ball, could play, you know, really good end game players, smaller, smaller stature, hard to hit kind of guys, but Quan is the kind of guy that needs a ball. And so you yeah. see, you know, where, where they sort of line up. Does Jeff now move off ball? What, you know, how does that make Jeff play? You know, that, it's all things that are sort of interesting. Um, but you can see how your team lines up relatively easily. Um, and I think it, it, uh, you know, fits well.
2: Yeah. And there's definitely more to, like we talked about, there's more to a dodgeball team than what you are on paper. Like mm-hmm. eventually you have to play and some of those things will have to find a way to work themselves out. Um, and you know, to those guys' credit, they're all great players. You know, I don't, I don't doubt that they'll figure it out. Um, but it may take some growing pains, and a lot of those are young guys too. So they haven't maybe been through the, they haven't been through a situation before where they've had to take a backseat. Or mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how many of them played sports growing up, but that's one thing in the dodgeball community. I see a lot of us people who didn't necessarily play. I know it's really weird. Like it's big a- team competitive sports.
0: Yeah. Um. That sort of ends Kyle or uh, Dom's questions. Kyle and Dom have sort of a back and forth where they answer some of the questions. Kyle asked a question, given your success at the NDI or NDL? NDI. NDI. First and Sting, like you said, third and foam. Um, but this being predominantly an 8.5 team, even though we had a rough start to determine, how do you think you feel going forward? Which I feel like we've talked about a bunch, but, you know, doing so well in two ball types that you guys are not, com- not your normal, comfortable types you Just feel does that make you feel even more confident going into 8.5?
2: We played pretty bad in that round robin at times. Um, and actually, you know, when we, talk, we talked about when we were talking about outsiders, round robin means next to nothing with the way that Elite uh-huh. does it. Um, and Sean, you were a part of Ra- Rainbow's pinch team, you played with me, and oh, that's a few other guys I didn't mention Ruan and CJ and Keith mm-hmm. played with us on that pinch team. Um, that. That was probably the worst round robin I've ever had in my life. Was that pinch round robin at nationals? Sean, you'd never played pinch before. Never played heard. pinch, and you were hurt. Yep, I played pinch once in 2017 in Boston, and it's not my jam. I like it because it's 8.5, but I'm no excellent pinch player. Brandon likes pinch. Ruan and Seattle have a history of pinch, so he likes it. C.J. Uh, Garcia is a pinch player.
0: Is Ruan the great. black guy on Fortune? On Fortune, back
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, he played our left. Co- so our round robin was. About, I think we beat one team, and it was like, you know, it was a terrible team, like that we beat. Uh, and was we lost. It? I don't know, maybe, I think it was Frenchie's team. I think it was the team Frenchie was on. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I don't remember what they were called, but, but we lost, I mean, we lost to the team that was the other Portland and Seattle team with like Roy and Michael White. We lost to them. Like, and so we were not good in round Robin, but in the bracket, we beat rise four to one or four to two. And then the Kraken, the team that ended up getting second, we took to seven games and we lost that seven game on a ridiculously lucky ricochet catch that I threw. So, I like some guy dropped in, like hit him in the hand, and instead of hitting his hand and like going away, it like pops straight up in the air. And I was just like, okay, well, great. So
0: that's those flat balls for you.
2: Yeah, that. Well, that's true, I guess. um Maybe I should have thrown it harder, but maybe I shouldn't have <laughs> deflated it. <laughs>
3: uh, uh. Uh,
2: so you know. Um, I don't look at round robin in a lot of these situations as anything other but a time to figure things out. I changed things. I changed our lineups. I moved people around in that round robin for pinch and we found the thing and we made a run and we were a pretty darn good team when we figured our stuff out. So um, a rough start at round robin is not a, it's not an issue for me. We've has had lots of rough starts. We've even had some tournaments where we've gotten chippy or upset at each other. And sometimes that's our best brackets round one in 2018. We were not in a good place at co-ed. We were all fighting and we lost to rise in the final. So yeah, it is round Robin is when you figure that stuff out for us Mm -hmm. because we don't have a lot of practices.
0: Yeah. I mean, especially if you have the mindset that you're going in there and you're working stuff out, I think there's, you know, there's the other mindset where you just get down to yourself and suddenly you go into playoffs and you just lose instantly. Yeah.
2: Um, Yeah, I I don't want to say we flip a switch, but you know, something like flipping a switch, like we, mm -hmm. we all are bought in at the point that it matters.
1: Yeah. Well, and I look at round Robin, uh, like, especially coming in with rise as that's going to be our practice. Like that's where we're going to figure some things out, things that work, things that don't, and then adjust from there. Um, and being that we all everyone on this team knows how to play already um at a really high level i think that just a little bit of time in those round robin games
0: is going to go a long way
2: yeah uh yeah so there you go kyle
0: um moving on to markel's question which is if there had been a season how would you guys have done in cl- in the cloth round um so
1: <laughs> cloth is dumb, first
0: of all <laughs> well yeah I don't um, think you clock. played on the World Twenty Eighteen World Cup team. Yeah, played here in New York City, the team with Rob and Brad and, and Brandon
2: and coy played on that team too. Yeah. And, uh, also Alfred or not Alfred? Um.
0: Yeah, Alfred, Josh Ty. Yeah,
2: Alfred and Josh was, Ty. Yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, I can't remember. I'm Jor- uh,
2: not Jordan, is it? No.
0: I'm blanking on his name, but the other another
2: guy uh, who used to play on Awesome,
0: the other Empire player,
2: Edward. Edward yeah. was on the team.
0: Any other empire uh, player that had passed? Patrick, away? yeah, Patrick Cushing. Um, so, how do? You, what's your feeling on cloth? Do you like cloth or? You...
2: I enjoy cloth a lot. It um, there's sort of like a learning curve to how to hold and throw cloth and
0: get your uh, thumb on the nipple.
2: Uh, you can do it that way. I tend to use the seams.
0: Okay.
2: Um, and that works well for me. Uh, I think we would have just done fine at cloth. Other people would have tried to struggle to figure out how to throw it the best and. That's one thing about having the best, uh, you know, the, the best dodgeball philosophy is you can fit it to whatever dodgeball game. Like mm-hmm. people used to criticize Rain as not being a no-sting team, but I think we're a pretty good no-sting team. Yeah. And it's not because we like or play a lot of no-sting, right? So, same with Rise; They
1: barely even pinched in pinch and yeah. we still go very far. So it doesn't matter what the other team can throw. As long as you can outmaneuver them, that's all that matters.
0: Sean, yeah. you don't like cloth?
1: I mean, I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't like throwing it because my hands don't fit it very well. I have a too big of a hand, or the wrong size of hand, or something. I didn't think, actually get my hands, wet. hands
0: fit it really well. No, I have to
1: get my hands wet to hold the ball. It's the strangest thing.
0: Weird. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. The, I I don't mind it. I like some parts of the rules. I I like the fast pace, the idea of the five-second yep. clock.
2: Agreed. Yeah. I
0: I don't like the idea of this the rule that if you know if it's not within five feet of a player that you're yep. out yeah especially when you know like if a player i understand it in the concept of people dumping balls i like that idea but if you know if the ball just slips out of your hand then it just happens to go five not five feet you're out like that's stupid yeah that is pretty crazy yeah But i think there the, are some you know some interesting parts to the rules as well
2: those types of interpretation rules can be really rough that bit us a couple times in 2018 where like Kuev would go to throw and he holds two balls. And so he sets one down and he sets it down on the other team's side in the neutral zone. And they're like, Oh, you're out for yeah. an attempt. And it's like,
0: yeah, put it down.
2: What? I just yeah. set the ball down. Get out of <laughs> here. Or like Cushing had one where he threw one up to get the guy's attention before he threw at him and hit him. And so the ball that he like, you know, threw up to, to distract him went over his head, and I guess maybe it never came within five feet, but it distracted him enough that he was able to hit him with his throw. So what's the issue here? Like, it's not like he's not attempting to play the game. So it's just another one of those things where it's like people are interpreting it in a way that doesn't make sense sometimes.
0: But I definitely like the idea of the five-second clock. I would love to see Rise play in a five-second clock just because – I'd love to see them adapt and create, you know, I'm sure they would create like 50 plays or, you know, like you would create a, you know, a call out system that has, you know, you don't yeah. need to huddle because yeah. everyone says like, Oh, they wouldn't be able to play without a huddle. I just disagree. I think smart players figure out how to play.
2: So no I what. used that call system that I used for rainbows at the world cup. That was how I called plays for us there. We played it just like elite. Like we were able to play it exactly the same way. Yeah. And um, against teams that didn't have a million more years of cloth experience and, you know, better talent than us, we were able to to beat them. And personally, I haven't had a lot to say about that match against Malaysia, but had we had refs who were not from Malaysia, I think we might have won. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so that gets you through, like, all the normal questions, and then it goes into this Sydney-Somerville conversation, which is – Finally,
2: block me. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, I am all about blocking people. Um, I went I through
0: all of Facebook and blocked everyone.
2: Yeah. Um, can you please go through the list of people that you yeah. have blocked on Facebook? It's like 700, however many friends I had.
0: <laughs> I blocked every single one. <laughs>
2: uh, no. So I don't know. I, yeah, I've been happy not being on Facebook. You know, you and I, you mentioned before the social dilemma. Um, there's some other podcasts you can listen to with people who've studied what social media does to our brains and the way we react to it. And there's a lot of negative things about it that even just knowing about them can help you counter them. So if you haven't watched that kind of stuff, I would strongly recommend people look into it, Yeah. but it's nothing against anyone. I just, it just didn't benefit me in any way.
0: I think if you get, if you're the type of personality that feels like you can't just walk away from those things, then, you know, it's not the the place that you should be, you know, if you feel, you, I don't know, it's just, there's so much negative out there that it's just, it's sometimes not worth even engaging. So,
2: yeah, negative in ways that is not even necessary to be negative. So, you know, people have a negative opinion of me because I'll say things that they disagree with, even in dodgeball. Like I'll say something that someone disagrees with, and it's like, oh, you're a jerk. And I'm like, but am I, I wrong? I always no? had
0: the, I, I mean, <laughs> before I knew you, I sort of always had the impression that you just enjoyed. enjoyed arguing so it's not like that you actually ever cared about the you know actual one side or the other side you just enjoyed the conversation of an argument yeah um i don't know if that's true or not but that's just sort of my opinion from the outside Uh,
2: that's certainly some of it yeah and i i also think that so there's like two things that i kind of live my life by and one is i'd rather know what you think than not like if we're gonna force people into hiding because of what they think we're not gonna know when they come at us right we're we're going to have no idea we have no chance to change their minds so just like shunning people or shutting them out because they disagree with us is just a silly way to live in my opinion um yo you know, though i turned off facebook so i wouldn't have to see what everyone thinks but to a certain level it's <laughs> a different story because of how how not representative it really is but the other is just um like the best way to to like learn or understand someone else is to discuss it and I don't take all these things like really personally, like someone writes something that disagrees with me, you're not like trying to fight me. Like I can accept that you think something else, but when you think something that's wrong, like, I don't know necessarily where you're coming from with that wrong thing that you think I'd rather just discuss it with you. Maybe I'm wrong. Like, I'm just going to challenge what you're saying. And if you come back with, oh, you're dumb, then I know it's probably that you just have some bias. You're not willing to, you know, to breach. But maybe we'll learn something from each other, so for me, like I like to learn stuff. I watch a lot of dodgeball footage, I watch a lot of podcasts, I listen to a lot of people I think are having good conversations. I like to try to have those conversations too, <laughs> and Facebook just turned out not to be the place to do it.
0: I think it's one of the things that scares me the most about our society going forward is that we're we're starting to get to the point where everyone is living in a vacuum, and if <coughs> If the person that you're talking to isn't agree with you 100%, then I don't want to talk to you. And like, yeah. life has become too easy on Facebook where it's like, oh, you don't have the same views of me. I'll unfriend you. And then it's like, then you just then do it in real life as well. And I think it's the thing that makes me a little, wor- you know, most, one of the things that makes me most worried, you know, and I think, you know, that means those people never learn from you and you never learn from them because you're just all shutting each other off. You know, and how do we create a better society if everyone's not learning from each other? So those are the things that sort of scare me in terms of, of where we're going as a society.
2: Yeah. I found that I, I had so enough, <laughs> <vegetable contest. laughs> I, I found that I had enough people outside of Facebook that I talk to regularly that, that I could have those discussions with. Even if Sean TLDR is all my rants. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I only keep Facebook for the memes.
0: <laughs> I only keep Facebook really for, for dodgeball, just so that I know what's going on dodge like
1: yeah.
0: tournaments and things like that. Um, without it, I probably wouldn't be doing anything. I mean, so
2: I had told myself for a while that if it wasn't for dodgeball, I would remove it, and so I was happy to be able to prove that to myself.
1: You know, when there was no dodgeball in 2021.
2: Yeah. So yeah. get rid of COVID, and maybe you'll see me back on Facebook. Maybe you're the reason, <laughs> or maybe you won't because you dodgeball.
0: Dark. COVID came <laughs> and killed dodgeball. You know, exactly. I think it's a, you know, it's clear line of sight. Yeah. Well, I think once again, thanks guys for coming on. I know that uh, you know you guys weren't allowed to talk about it at one point. I, I sort of had gotten wind of it at nationals that this was happening. I I happened to be sitting next to Tim when he basically asked Andy to join the team, and then <laughs> told me not to t- and then told me not to t- tell anyone. <laughs> and then, uh, I sort of got wind. You know, I I think at Sean when you guys told me rainbows were over. I was like, are you guys going to join RISE? And you were like, uh, n- no. I was <laughs> like, that just didn't seem like the right answer. I was like, there's something else behind it. Uh, so um, uh, I'm happy you guys can finally talk about it. Uh, I'm excited to see what you guys' team looks like in the future. And it'd be cool to see you guys also in person at some point. You know, yeah. Whenever that is. So once again, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having us.
2: Yeah, thanks for doing these.
4: All right, so that was uh, Justin Boster's interview with um, Alan Thomas and Sean Meme Lord Anderson uh, from Rise Bros. And I know that this was something that Justin was uh, looking forward to doing for quite some time now. So I'm glad he was able to uh, to get it done, and I definitely appreciate you, Justin, uh, for for knocking this out um, and taking topics and just running with them. Same thing with uh, with Sergio Leone doing the International Series. Um, as I've said before, definitely helps me um, a lot in terms of uh, being able to you know mitigate life happening and also maintain or sustain the podcast. And um, on that note, definitely want to offer this to anybody else that would be interested in. Um, guest hosting as well uh, definitely have some plans for next season so there's definitely going to be some opportunities or openings I guess uh, for lack of better words for those that want to give it a shot um, whether you have an episode of your own somebody that you'd like to interview or if you just want to be part of the recaps um, assuming they actually do happen next year um, anything is game so um, that all being said have a great uh, rest of your evening a great rest of your week a great weekend and we'll see you next time